Happy birthday, Batman! Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, Batman! Welcome into the Fortress of Comictude. My name is Tyler. And I'm Mary. I'm McCord. And I'm Kylie. We are here because the Cape Crusader, the Dark Knight himself, is about to turn 80 years old and we are a week away from the release of Detective Comics 1000, which will be coming out this coming Wednesday that you'll hear this. Yet yeah, I've already seen it. Unless, you know, well, ooh. Unless you're listening to this in the future, then hello, future people. You've already read Detective 1000. Let me know how <laughs> terrible Frank Miller's story was and uh, how good Snyder and Capullo's story probably was. Anyways, so this is going to be uh, just kind of a general discussion episode about it? Batman. I, just I, I, have, I, haven't, I haven't read it, but I've seen it. Oh, gotcha. there was one guy with exist. there was one guy with one copy at Emerald City, oh. and he happened oh. to be at like the same booth that I was visiting at, and we got to see some of it. That's so, if cool. you recall, we did an episode I almost like stole this it and ran. Uh, last <laughs> it would have been worth it <laughs> for the 80th anniversary of Superman. Which, if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and do that because that's one of my favorite episodes we've probably done. But uh, this one's going to be very similar to that. We're going to have a bunch of just little discussion topics about Batman, why we think he's part of the cultural zeitgeist, why we like him, why we don't, our favorite versions of him in other media. And then the back end of this episode, I'm going to give you my top 10 Batman stories of all time. And plot twist, Kylie has also made a top 10 Batman comics of all time. Uh-huh. And they're going to be nothing like each other. I No. I, no. <laughs> You've been peeking? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's one that we have, you know, that's similar. But I'm looking at some going, no, dude. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll I did there. not make a list. So, so I don't think or I know check 10. it twice. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of ten myself. Um, <laughs> I don't, yeah. You've I don't, had eighty years of stories. Come on. Dark I don't think there's too much debate. Batman's returns. probably the biggest superhero on the planet. Probably the most recognizable superhero on the planet. Um, yeah. And the character has endured highs and lows. It seems to and a lot and of bat lows. Nipples. Yeah. And the 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 brand is seemingly unkillable though. It's like that that brand is so iconic that it can withstand the batman and robins and even like as well remembered as the batman 66 show is that (laughs) almost drove batman into cancellation at one point and like but batman is so immortally untouchable that that brand is just too strong like the comics yeah like he is in the comics can't keep him down because he's bad that's right so it's too good um batman's one of those characters i think is just so in the cultural zeitgeist that it's hard to probably give like a, a memory of discovering batman because he's probably one of those characters that you just like you feel like you always knew but i figured we kind of start with just kind of like what's like an early memory that you have of batman of some kind or if you can have something oh, of geez. like oh i remember oh, because I, I i know mary and i both grew up with batman the animated series so yes. that was a really big thing that was on when we were kids and that was I'm not going to say I saw Batman for the first time on that show, but that's probably the first thing I can remember of like on a on a you know consistent basis like Batman. Like I that, that's where I learned the world from certainly. Like the villains and Jim Gordon and Gotham City. Like I learned the lore of Batman through that show. So I feel like I knew Batman before Batman the animated series, but I didn't know much. So I would say basically everything that I know is from Batman the animated series. I 
just I feel like I heard the name and knew who he was it's before. It's still pretty much the most definitive version, so it's okay. We started with the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> um, for me, geez. I, I mean, I, re- hard I, I remember running around with a Batman cape at, at a very early age. Um, I I remember when the movie came out, the 1989 Michael Keaton movie. I remember when that came out, and I think I think I was like in kindergarten, and my parents wouldn't let me go watch it. How really? Dare they? I am so How old. Dare they? <laughs> I know, right? But what they did is they tricked me instead and turned on the 1966 Batman, and I watched that for the, a little the bit. The movie or the TV show? The TV show. Because the movie is pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but then, but then I guess my cousin wanted to go see it, who was the same age as me, and my aunt talked my mom into letting me go see it. So I remember that's like the first PG-13 movie I ever remember watching was Michael Keaton's Batman. I was negative four when that movie came out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kylie, do you have like an early memory of Batman? Uh, I mean, I remember him from the Super Friends. I mean, that was, you know, I grew up with Batman with and that Robin. Um, but, Holy dark cave, Batman. But, you know, and I read, when I when I started reading comics, one of the rare DC books I read was Batman. I didn't really read a lot of DC, but I read just about every damn Batman title there was. And there was a lot back then. Um, but yeah, Same the, like today, the, yeah, the, uh, the 89 Batman movie is probably the one movie I've seen in the theater the most times, oh, okay. probably 15 or 17 times. Oh, I think. wow. Yeah. Whoa. In, I, in, I in liked... All of it in its initial run, not like yeah. years later when no, they do like all, all of it in the initial run. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I liked that movie. God, that movie made <laughs> Warner Brothers owes Kylie <laughs> some money. <laughs> Some royalty. Like they ought to send you a fruit basket or something. I went. (laughs) Michael Keaton. I had to have my my mother drive me because I still wasn't old enough to drive, but I was you know still old enough. But took me to like the midnight release. Um, they had a big bats bats thing out in the you know the shining out in the 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 little bat uh, signal. Um, I remember my mother fell asleep during the movie and was snoring, and I remember like nudging her to wake her up because really? it was like, it was a midnight showing. Oh, okay. And I remember, mom, you're snoring. I am not snoring. And I'm like, okay, just go back to bed. And I'm, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> what does the character of Batman like mean to you? Like when you think of Bat, like I guess like in in a as short of a as you can kind of as you can kind of muster, I guess like. What what does Batman mean to you? Why why is he important as a character? All right, so uh, I I have heard it described that you know Superman and Batman kind of go in waves, especially here in this country. And uh, Michael, I believe it was Michael Caine who said that both Batman and Superman are kind of a reflection of how America sees itself. So if you notice, Batman and Superman have never been super successful at the same time. So when Batman goes down, Superman goes up. When Superman goes down, Batman comes up. And it and are we in a more uh, a positive uh, in the daylight, so to metaphorically speaking, uh, as a country? That's when we tend to gravitate more towards Superman. Whereas when we feel like our backs are against the wall, um, like we're heading for darker times, like we need to be tougher, we need to be grittier, uh, then we kind of lean towards lean towards batman who ultimately i mean it's it's like we're facing our darkest fears and we just need to toughen up and fight against it that's actually a really interesting point i think 
Dan DiDio said one time, he said, the difference between Batman and Superman is Superman represents the world that we want to live in. Like Superman is, Superman exists in a world that we wish existed. Whereas Batman, people like Batman because Batman's a survivor and Batman's basically based on the idea of like, I'm just trying to survive in the world we do live in. You know, if that makes sense. It's like Superman is like, we can be better and Batman's more just like, let's just get to tomorrow, like kind of a thing. And I think people gravitate towards that because like he's just a survivor. He's a grinder from day to not financially, obviously. But yeah. I think people have some sort those of poor uh, billionaires. Yeah, those My poor stuff. <laughs> those poor billionaires. But I, I, I do think there's something to be said about that. Um, I think uh, what gravi- why I gravitated to him was he. I was I was raised as to you know don't show emotions. Just keep your Keep your emotions in check. Just bury your feelings. You know, we never talked about anything. Just be as mentally and unhealthy as possible. Exactly. And I lived 30 <laughs> years of my life that way because I didn't know any better. And yeah. that's, that's I think that's why I gravitated towards Batman because he seemed that way. You knew he has issues, but he didn't really let any of that out. It seems yeah. like he was holding it all in. Mary? He has serious issues. What, is ba- <laughs> what, is, what does Batman mean to you? Or like how would you what why is batman important do you think or is he important i guess that's it i mean that's the question we didn't even ask but i just assumed that we all agreed <laughs> i mean yeah i think i think batman's important um kind of like with kylie i was kind of taught that like keep your emotions in check don't you know we don't we didn't talk about anything emotionally in my family um and just like no matter how many times he was beaten down and he was almost killed he never resorted to killing another so I think something that people talk about a lot is like it, it's a joke that we all kind of make that we've just kind of been beaten to death with the the death of the Waynes. We've seen it so many times. Pearls falling. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And every version that and, and so I, I'm definitely at a point where it's in like justice <laughs> twice. <laughs> I'm definitely at a point where it's like, yeah, we can kind of be we can kind of do away with that for a little while. But at the, but at the same time, that's never lost its sting to me, though. Like the idea of this of this young boy watching his parents killed in front of him. Like it's, I've never gotten numb to that. Like every time I think of it or and I really kind of like look at it and kind of breathe it in a little bit it's like oh my gosh like the idea of this kid standing there and then making a decision to be like no one's gonna go through what i went through i'm gonna make sure that like i'm basically gonna dedicate my life and my body a completely human body that doesn't possess any sort of metahuman powers despite what grant morrison would probably tell you (laughs) um like the fact that someone's like gonna put their life on the line every single night to make sure that nobody has to suffer through the traumatic experience that he did like it's i don't know it is it is really like uh, it's gratifying i guess in a sense because he's like he he did it it's like he, he is the ultimate avenger he's the ultimate like getting doing the best thing possible because he wasn't able he's the hero that he didn't have so i don't know i've never gotten numb to that idea of the Wayne's dying, even though we've seen it. A million times. I, I wouldn't say I'm numb to it, but again, but it's pearls. a, it's at a point. So many pearls. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's only so many times. You it's can it's watch at a it. point where everybody knows Batman's origin. We don't need to see that. Agreed. You know, just jump into a movie at this I point. Mean, it's, yeah. it's like you already said, he's the most recognizable superhero in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can walk out on the street and say, Hey, What's Batman's origin? Yeah, what's Batman's origin story? And pretty much anybody can tell you. Um, I think an important point that Mary touched on um, was that he keeps getting back up. Yeah. And Batman never wins the first time. And I think that resonates a lot with people too, Mm -hmm. that he he goes out, he, he puts himself out there at his own risk 
and he gets beaten up the first time every time. And then he goes back and he analyzes it and he learns from his mistakes and then he gets back up, you know, and then goes out and tries it again. And no matter how many times he keeps getting knocked down, he keeps getting back up. And I think that's one of his uh, more relatable traits with like, okay, I can get knocked down, but I can also get back up. Especially because he I, doesn't I have powers too. too. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think you're never gonna keep. No. I think if Batman had powers, that wouldn't be as as strong to people. But Agreed. it's the fact that it's like people look at it. Even though the the concept of Batman is really isn't realistic at all. No matter what people try to tell you, like Batman, I like Batman because he's a more realistic character. He's really not. Like the idea of this person going out and doing this is still pretty ridiculous. If I had that much money, I don't know. But. <laughs> But I mean, how long could you really do that before? So, like, especially in today's age, like somebody would figure it out. Like, like the the concept of Batman does not work. Tim Drake did. Tim Drake figured it out. <laughs> That's, That's right. why he's the best. But <laughs> there definitely is something that resonates with people of like that could be me, because he's just a guy. Like, well, he's yeah. a rich guy. That's true. He's a guy at the peak of like what a human can do, but he's still a, <laughs> but he's yeah. still just a guy. So why do you think Batman is timeless though? Why? Why hasn't he died out? Why doesn't I mean? Well, like, it's eighty well, years. He hasn't aged. Have you seen this guy? That's true. He still looks amazing. <laughs> Did you read Batman down to number one? But there's not very many things that that were created back then or worked back then that work now. Why is that concept? How has it stood the test of time? Why does it still work? So all superheroes um, have their origin. That Superman and Batman were the first ones. So all the superheroes have are kind of have to like dedicate themselves to superman and batman because they started it i think that's why mm -hmm. they're timeless because that's the origin we wouldn't have superheroes today without them mm -hmm. I i've always liked that idea too where it's like superman the first superhero is the guy with all the powers batman is the second superhero the guy with no powers every hero that's come after them has been some variation of those two like yeah. somewhere in the in between those two guys which mm -hmm. is really kind of an interesting idea well, I, I think it goes back even further than that. Okay. I, I mean, like, you read Homer. That's like 5,000 oh, BC, yeah. you know? Yeah. But we have Hercules, and we have Perseus, and we have Odysseus, and we have... I mean, hero, heroes have been around since recorded history. And superheroes yeah. are just American mythology, basically. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's modern American mythology. Right. It's and, the closest thing we have to those Greek stories. Yeah, and, and when you look at those Greek stories, there are a lot that are very similar to stories like, like Batman has about getting knocked down, learning from your mistakes, and coming back, and having all these people target you, and being orphans, and all all of the kind of all of the elements. It's like you said, it's kind of, we, we just kind of piggyback on, on that mythology, and and it, it's just something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. We, as human beings, uh, we always look up to the skies and we're always looking for a savior. That was a Superman thing. And I think that we we really can grab a hold of Batman because, like you said, so many people, even though it's not, it feels like that could be me. Mm -hmm. Right? Like like our athletes. Yeah. Right? If I work really hard, I could do that. No, I'm a five eight white guy. <laughs> I can't do what some of those guys yeah. some of those other guys I can do. I could be LeBron James. <laughs> Maybe not, but <laughs> I can't dunk from the free throw line. It's just not gonna happen no matter how hard I try. But it kind of gives us that that glimmer of hope that that we can just like like you said, Tyler, uh that we can survive today. Yeah. You know, we we can get through well, for Batman, it's the night, right? So we can get through to tomorrow. Mm -hmm. 
Because Batman's not really trying to make the world a better place in the same way like Superman is. Like, Superman's more like, we can be better. We can, like... Batman's more just, like, trying to, like, keep the peace as it is, or at least keep it to a mm. minimum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because so he knows that the world is crummy. Again, like, yeah. surviving, just surviving another day is, yeah. is a success in Batman's world. And Superman sees, like, the good in everyone. Exactly. Batman does not. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's two kinds of modern-day superheroes. There's heroes who save the world, and there's heroes who save the people. And, and I think that Batman is one that saves the people. He looks out for the little guy. He's the guy who's going to stop, you know, little Timmy's mom from getting killed mm -hmm. while Superman is, you know, trying to stop another alien race from obliterating the entire planet. Exactly. I, th I also think, like, the reason that he's been able to endure for so long is because he's been able to adapt. Like, the, the idea of Batman has changed so much, like, what Batman is and what Batman represents. The core of the character hasn't changed all that much, but through different avenues and stuff, they've been able to change versus like a golden age Batman that is very dark and very noir to a silver age Batman that is very hokey, that is very, hey kids, come take a tour of the Batcave kind of thing to, you know, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams taking him back to more of that detective and then Frank Miller taking him into these darker places in the 80s and like so on and so forth. So the character has been able to change through time. So it's never gotten stale, I guess, maybe. Like, is, yeah. is there something to be said for that? I would think so. But then again, when you talk about some of that early stuff, I think they're really trying to find the, the footing for it. I mean, you know, Batman in space and then the whole Bat oh. family and Batmite. And they were, it was just, it got, you know, to that kind of ridiculous. They were just throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. At one point, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, like Denny O'Neill, that kind of era, you know, it kind of. Seemed to get Batman back on yeah. track. Especially after the 66 show had kind of, like I say, that. It, it, it's hard to talk about that show because a lot of people really have a lot of fondness for it, especially with Adam West's passing now. You never want to throw any disrespect on that show, but that show did a lot more harm for the brand of <laughs> Batman than it did. But at the same time, it also put Batman in the living room of every home in America, and it became Batman became a household name off of that show too. Yeah. So it's 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 hard. Is there anybody that doesn't know that theme song? Exactly. Na, 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 Batman. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I didn't even right? see that show until I was yes. quite a bit older, but it was one of those things, like, I didn't realize how many things had parodied that show until I had seen it. And I'm like, oh, this is what all those things are, like, constantly making fun of. The bam, whips out, like, all those, like, in between yeah. scenes, like, all those little things. It's like, man, like, that, that show left such a mark on the pop culture that, like a hundred years from now, TV shows will still be like making references to those, to, like to those little oh, things yeah. that that show did. We can only hope, you know, <laughs> right? Like they weren't the first ones to do the cliffhanger episodes, but they definitely perfected it. And you know, at the end of the episode, Batman and Robin are tied up, about to fall into a pit of you know some kind of thing that's actually not that harmless because the show's for kids. But <laughs> it's like, yo, what's gonna happen, kids? Come back tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel, you know. So. Speaking of like the sixty six show, let's talk about like some some of like our favorite versions of Batman in any media. So we mentioned Batman the animated series first off the bat. Like to me, that is probably the definitive version of the character. Right? That, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, like if somebody, if someone, I mean, even over the comics, if someone's like, "What's the best version of Batman?" I'm like, just watch this. Like if you want to know what Batman is, who, like what it's about, and get it, and and see something that's made by people that really get it. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Well, Mark Mark Hamill and 
Kevin, Kevin Conroy. Conroy. Mm-hmm. I mean that. I mean when you when you are reading a comic, that's whose voices you hear in <laughs> <Yes>. your head. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And that show spawned a whole animated universe like yeah. that show spawned off in, into superman into batman Ju- beyond into justice, justice league, league. Into justice league unlimited into static shock like all of these shows that exist static shock. in the same you know what i mean so it's like even I mean, the show on its own is so strong even if you ignore all of that but it's like you have to take into consideration that it just it spawned all these other things too that's how like good that it was and it still holds up. There's not a lot of sh- cartoons, I don't think, from 25, 30 years ago that hold up as well as that show does. It also makes me yeah. sad. It's poetry in motion. Why? It makes me sad because when I realized that the X-Men animated series and the Batman animated series were contemporary, I look at the X-Men animated series and say, why can't you be like Batman? <laughs> the, still, I, I still I mean, think that's... I mean, they're both super iconic, oh, but... Yeah. I mean, it could have been as good as Batman. It's and I just, the, the, the X Men still good. The, 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 for an X Men fan, oh, it I mean, is the, good. the ninety-two X Men show was really good. But like when you watch them side by side, and one of them definitely feels more like a product of its time than the other one does. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Batman the animated series feels like it exists out of time where it can be watched now, Any, anytime, ten it's, years it's ago, still contemporary, years, which yeah. is crazy. The X Men ninety two show I feel like would be harder to show kids now and have them accept it. I agree. I yeah. Whereas like I feel like you kids can watch Batman the animated series and for the most because like it was such mature storytelling and the animation was so good. And the scores were so good, and the voice acting was so good. Like, I, just everything about it holds up so strong. That that X Men animated show, as good as it was, it's like the animation feels dated because it feels oh, very, like yeah. it feels like '90s animation, which was really good when it came out, but it doesn't look as good now. Well, and the dialogue's so soap opera. It, it's very soap it is, opera. But it was exactly also based go. on that, you know, right? And X Men is a soap opera, yeah, yeah. and I get it why is. they did it. It just it like like you said. Don't watch them for like twenty years and then go back and watch both of them together, and you're like, oh, that's like watching what Transformers and GI Joe. That, that that hurts me when I try to watch those. I'm like, oh, I love that I '90s Spider-Man TV show too. But when you go back and watch that show, it's not as strong yeah. as you know. But Batman and the Animated Series is like, you go back, like, yep. But Spider-Man and his amazing friends still holds up. Oh. <laughs> hey kids, you know this is Stanley. <laughs> you know what's still good? Digimon. Digimon. <laughs> Spider-Man and his amazing friends, where they had like that cool lair inside their apartment where the beds all flipped over and they had like supercomputers and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's great um so we mentioned the the burton movies batman the animated series what's the no adam way. west tv show what's some other good versions of batman uh the arkham games i mean that's... the arkham games i think oh. dark i think dark knight returns is just incredibly iconic batman that's oh, yeah. that um but yeah the arkham games oh my god yeah arkham city was Dude, I spent so many hours on Arkham City. I, I remember getting the first game. Uh, my wife had bought it for me for an anniversary present. And I put it in to play it. And, you know, there's that opening sequence where you're just kind of walking. You're just holding the arrow button to walk. And then when you finally get down to it, I'm like, I'm hitting all the buttons going, why, why can't I jump? Why isn't there a jump button? How can you have a Batman game without a jump button? This is stupid. <laughs> and, like, within 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, no, this works. This is amazing. <laughs> The, uh, the Arkham games are an achievement that I think uh, it's hard to say they'll last because games get dated so quickly. So, but like we got to at least live in this age where they, when they came out and they were relevant and hopefully they'll be appreciated 
in years to come. But I want all superhero games to be Arkham games. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime it, a superhero game comes out, I'm like, oh, I hope this is like Arkham. Oh, it's not. All right. In the same mind. way that Batman the Animated Series set the bar for like superhero animation, like the Arkham games like set yeah, the bar for absolutely. what a superhero game should be. Absolutely. And, the bar is always raised with Batman in every medium. And before this last Spider-Man game, I would probably argue that no game had hit it until this Insomniac. But like no game, no superhero game has been able to touch what the Batman games had done as far as like what a superhero game should feel like until this latest Spider-Man game. Where I say, like, okay, they find and I've liked hmm. the Spider-Man games prior to that, but it's like that Batman bar is just so, so high, high. But so high. Spider-Man did it. So let's talk about everything not Batman for a second and talk about our hit our favorite supporting characters not villains because we're going to move into that next so who Oof. who are some of you, your favorite supporting characters cast members in the batman kind of mythos tim trick dick not rick grayson <laughs> thank you <laughs> needed to hear that just one time. i T- think tim drake i'm with tim i'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dick Grayson might be one of the best characters in comic history because he's like the one character that we've actually got to see grow, grow and up. develop. Yeah. Yep. And Become act, his own. And, yeah. And like go through so many changes and he's Batman's greatest success story. Like the fact that like Batman is really a very damaged human being and he took in this child and like Dick is not. He, Dick doesn't have the like trauma and everything that even though he went through the tragedy of his parents death like he kind of overcame it like Dick Grayson as an adult is a pretty like level headed person right he doesn't carry the baggage that Batman does like that's a success story for Bruce if anything like you were able to mold this per this kid that could have easily turned into something dangerous or mentally unstable yeah Mm -hmm. and made him a functioning human being and he's honestly a better adult than bruce is honestly yeah yeah absolutely so dick grayson can't commit to babs tim drake (laughs) dick can't commit to. we didn't even mention her either i would also say her oh yeah barb yeah Yeah. dude i love barbara gordon well and commissioner gore i like the gordons in general jim gordon is is an amazing character yeah i love both of them so Babs, do you like Babs better as Batgirl or as Oracle? Because I, Batgirl. I'm Batgirl. Batgirl. See, I'm one of the few people that thinks they should have kept her in the wheelchair. I was upset when they, because I they, love how they didn't explain that. She's like, wakes yeah. up, I can walk again, and, <laughs> and, and, and new fifty. She got new fifty two'd. <laughs> but the reason I like her is because one, it gave her a different role. It let her be like the man in the chair kind of thing for Batman. And two, there's not a lot of. Um, handicapped characters out there in a strong role like that. So I felt like that's really good for anybody out there that has any kind of disability to look up to a character like, oh, she's disabled, but she's like the smartest one out of all of them. And she's the one that like strategizes and plans out everything that Batman does. And like, instead of her just being another person in a cape running around out there, it gave her her own identity as Oracle. Like she's, she, there's only one Oracle. There's other bat people running around can see that so i was kind of bummed that they kind of took that away because i'm like man if you were someone that really identified with that character because maybe you can't walk or something and then they all said she can walk again i feel like that's kind of a bummer that, like that that's really cheating it for sure yeah, yeah. like they mm-hmm. they actually did something really really good there by like oh now, I'm, now I'm bummed <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotta mention Thanks, gotta mention yeah. alfred <laughs> because alfred. what's batman without alfred yeah. yeah alfred's an amazing character did you read we are robin 
Hmm. Oh, yeah. Or the Robin Wars. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. It's like one of the only good New 52 stories. <laughs> when when Alfred takes a whole bunch of street kids, Batman has uh, uh, not insomnia. Of course, Batman has insomnia. He's Batman. <laughs> yeah. um, amnesia, excuse me. Uh, he doesn't remember that he's Batman. And Alfred believes that there needs to be kind of protection on the street. So he goes around and takes troubled kids and behind the scenes trains them arms them That's and makes like armies them. of robins which is actually really cool to go fight against the court of owls i mean the whole thing was i really really enjoyed we are robin i think that was the first dc trade i ever bought was and then we, we got duke and then scott the snyder will not let you forget about duke he's like look here's duke and everyone's like no one cares like no but but duke he's gonna be he's gonna be something and then no one's like please don't <laughs> he's the new jubilee like <laughs> like here's Jubilee. Uh, no, just yeah. go away. <laughs> like but then, as much as I love Snyder. Scott Snyder, you could tell Snyder was like, I'm gonna create my Robin. Like I'm gonna create the next Robin, and people are gonna take it and run with it. And everybody was like, No, no. bro. But nah. it was it was good in Robin Wars. But <laughs> oh, after yeah. that, it just doesn't. And then they tried calling fit. him the Signal for a little while, and now he just oh, kind of okay. disappeared. Like I've, no one's even seen. Oh, Duke. is that who is that who the Signal was? Yeah. Was Duke? Oh. He even had like a title for like three issues before he yeah. canceled. I was like Batman and the Signal, and then everyone's like, "We don't care." Like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really liked him in We Are Robin. But... He's not a bad character, but it just it seemed like it was really just too much too quickly. Where it's like, look, here's this new kid. It's like, nope, nope. Just let us have a minute. Guys. <laughs> Who's some of your guys' favorite? Batman Batman and Spider-Man probably have the, the best rogues galleries in comics. And I'd put Batman up against that. Anyway. I, I think ba- Batman's probably a clear number one. Spider-Man's number two. So when you're looking at Batman villains, who are some of the ones that always stand out to you specifically, at least favorites of yours? You gotta have the Joker. Is, yeah. I mean, he's the top Lame. of the list. I, I know. It, it is, it's kind of like... Mark Hamill is the Joker. Yeah. I just... Oh, yeah. That's... I, I, and I, the reason I like him is he's just there's no he's just crazy for no you know yeah there's him. no reason it's yeah. he just gets chaos oh, yeah. for me it's Two Face thank oh, Two Face is my number so, one so <laughs> so we have Two Face and Joker <laughs> we don't need to, I, we don't need to talk about I love Two Face man uh, I I like. You know, the Joker is crazy for the sake of being crazy, which is awesome. But I really like the randomness of the coin. I mean, when Two-Face is written well, Mm. it's really good. One of my favorites was even in New 52 in the Batman and Robin series. There was another breakout at Arkham because it was Tuesday. And... (laughs) Because they break out every Tuesday, and <laughs> they, they only—I don't know why they keep putting people in there. They only honest. break out they, on days that end in Y. They, they really need to find a new place to put super criminals. But uh, Two Face, Two Face at the shot. I had a Jessica Jones joke there. <laughs> oh, the, the raft! Oh my gosh, is it the raft? Um, no, but but Two Face had the shot on Batman while he was preoccupied, and he flips the coin and says, "Help the bat, kill the bat." And it came up, help the bat. And for the next six issues, Two Face is hunting down escaped <laughs> Arkham Asylum criminals. Huh. And like, I love that aspect of Two Face because you just don't know what's going to happen. And the Harvey Dent story is the the ultimate like fall from grace story. And I never get sick of hearing that either. The whole thing of like the the champion of the people, the DA, like the Batman without the mask, die the hero like, or live long enough. Yeah, to become like, the I mean, villain. like Christopher Nolan. Perfectly executed. It was so that story. good. That was yeah. such an 
underappreciated he's, part. He's of the, the hero the without the cape that has a face that people can rely on that ends up, you know, just like I say, completely falling from grace and turning into this monster that I don't know. I love Harvey Dent. The other one for me is Ra's al Ghul. I love I love Ra's al Ghul because I think he's one of the few characters that's like Batman's equal like pretty close physically because he keeps himself in this insane shape but he's also like Moriarty to Sherlock like, Holmes basically. yeah like he's Batman's equal mentally too mm. like most of them are either one or the other like you could argue Riddler might be like Batman's equal equal mentally but like Riddler's not gonna fight Batman no you know or like Bane might kick the shit out of Batman but he's not really gonna outsmart him too much so like right. Ra's al Ghul was like this perfect like what the hell are you gonna do like yeah. he's lived so long he's so wise but he's also like fucking insane ridiculously <laughs> strong you know what i mean it Who keeps coming back alive yeah and yeah i just can't kill her i, I do love rather go married what about catwoman no oh, selena oh yeah yeah i don't think you can you can't forget about her oh, yeah, you gotta yeah. talk about her a little bit <laughs> oh yeah you gotta mention cat you gotta mention catwoman you gotta mention talia you gotta mention poison ivy again that rogues gallery goes so, so deep dude i love the mad hatter dude mad like, hatter's mad hatter's <laughs> awesome <laughs> okay what about the condiment king though <laughs> rat ragman <laughs> quilt man calendar man calendar man is actually pretty sweet calendar man <laughs> if you read the long halloween calendar man's pretty sweet yeah um, Killer Croc is awesome. Clayface is awesome. I mean, yeah, Batman's rogues get like, he just got it's, all it's of the, the best. When you look at Batman's rogues, man, like, man Bat- couldn't they have given like yeah a couple good villains to other heroes, man? Like, cause Batman got them all. <laughs> Aquaman, oh, Aquaman really got left out on that day. <laughs> He's like he didn't show up when they were passing out rogues galleries. <laughs> I know that's what's funny. Like when you watch the Aquaman movie too, it's like, man, they really made this movie with the idea that they weren't guaranteeing a sequel. Because I'm like, who's Aquaman's two biggest villains? Like Ocean Master and Black Manta. That's what we got, and we're giving it to you in this <laughs> first movie because there's no guarantee we're getting another one of these. <laughs> it's like, but you could. I mean, that's why it bugs me that we've seen the same villains multiple times in in Batman movies. Because I understand the idea of the Joker is so recognizable and everything, but it's like Batman's rogues gallery is so deep. I mean, you could make 30 movies before having to use the same villain twice if you wanted to. White Rabbit. We've seen Bane twice. We've seen Two-Face twice. We've seen Joker, what, three times if you include Jared Leto, which we don't, so twice. (laughs) Um, Like, I don't know. It just bugs me. I'm like, man, why would you not tap some of that, you know? People are afraid. They don't know how. They don't know what to do. Uh, is that just Warner Brothers being like, "There's money in the Joker. Do the Joker again." Yeah, probably yeah, play it safe. I mean, they had two other Joker movies in the bank, so yes. <laughs> and I like the Joker as much as anybody. I think I'm just kind of over it a little bit, like because it's honestly, like the pearls. Uh, yeah, just just do something well, different. Like, as a comic book fan, like I could probably list on like one hand like really good Joker stories. There's not really like. I don't think the Joker is this like alpha omega Batman villain like everybody wants him to be. I mean, he's interesting and he's awesome on the screen, but it's not like, oh, think of all the amazing Batman stories where he fights the Joker. There's not a lot of really good ones, or not to me at least. That was that's one of the reasons why Batman Begins was so good. Cause we got we got Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow, mm-hmm. who we had like never oh, never oh, seen. Scarecrow. Scarecrow's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> who, who we had who we had never seen before, and then they're like, and Joker and Two Face, like okay, as good as that was, like to have that fresh take and to have those fresh villains in Batman Begins, I 
we I saw that multiple times in the theater. What about Batman Solomon Grundy? <laughs> yeah. What about <laughs> Professor Mindy? Pig? Gotta have a shout out for Professor Pig. Who? Professor Pig. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody have a favorite Batman artist in comics? Norm Breitvogel. You know I'm terrible at this. Yeah, Jim I'm, Lee? I mean, you, that's all sure, I can say. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> he's he's an artist, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's an artist who has drawn Batman. Yes. Uh, uh, I like Tony Daniel a lot. Um, trying to think. There's, there, there's. I mean, Greg Capullo's a beast too. Oh, I mean, yeah, Capullo. I think Capullo yeah. might be my favorite. That's the most amount of Batman that I think I read mm-hmm. was Capullo's. Was New 52. That's so. Snyder Capullo like the court, Batman run. Court of Owls, City of Owls. Like, oh, yeah. Dude. That's, oh, I love that. That Snyder so Capullo Batman run, I think, is one of those things that 20, 30 years from now, people are still going to be like, that, when that came out. You know who is not my favorite, though? The Dark Knight Returns. Whoever Frank did Miller. that. Frank yep. Miller? <laughs> that, That's that not my guy favorite. I'm sorry. Heard of Frank Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that, one was just, it just, that one wasn't good to me. Frank Miller's art is very stylized. It's very much. I like uh, the story, but it oh, gave yeah. me such a headache. Really? Okay. Yeah. I like the story a lot too. You'll see when we get to our top ten. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the art works in that book, but it's uh, not something I'd so, want to yeah. see a lot of. <laughs> and I think that was probably his peak. To be yeah. honest with you. Well, well it, it wasn't was Dark Knight right... Strikes Again. I'll tell you God, that much. No. <laughs> yeah, it was right after Daredevil. And, uh, Frank Miller is definitely better when he's working with like Mazzucchelli or somebody that like you don't draw. Let somebody yeah, else draw. How about you do that? You know, when you got like Mazzucchelli drawing Born Again and stuff, it's like just you just go ahead and keep doing that, Frank. And you just write your stuff and let somebody else draw the stuff. Seems like the better way to go. Yeah. Okay, Kylie. So I think what we'll do is we'll go we'll go back and forth. You, okay. We'll, and we'll, we'll go we'll go 10 through 2 and then we'll do honorable mentions and then we'll go 1. Okay. But chances are I imagine we'll spoil each other's as we go, but uh, Fair enough. Um you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Oh, uh, you can go first. All right, we'll start. These are these are my top 10 Batman stories of all time. Um mine I think are kind of predictable mine are more or less like the greatest hits of batman the kind of ones like google you know your ign articles these are probably a lot of them maybe not in this specific order but probably a lot of the ones you're gonna see and there was part of me that wanted to be like oh don't do like the predictable the go-to ones but like i the more i thought about it and the more i i made like a top 20 list and kept numbering it down and it's like man these stories are so celebrated and held in a high regard because they are that good and it, even though they are the cliche the easy ones to go with they're a lot of the ones that i'm going to go with because when you read them you're like yep that's as good as everyone says it is it's just um that's what it is so um this one i think is higher on a lot of other people's lists but not specifically in mine so that's why it's number 10 but i'm putting hush at number 10 and the reason I think Hush deserves to be here is because I think it might be one of the best introductory graphic novels you could sell somebody. Because like with Hush, you basically like, do you know who Batman is? Yeah, that's really all you need. Read this book. And it's an easy trade to sell somebody because Jim Lee drew it. So every page of it looks amazing. And almost every major Batman character 
appears in it at some point because it was the first thing that Jim Lee had done for DC and they're like, we want to see Jim Lee draw everyone. So write Mad Hatter into it. Write Harley Quinn into it. Write Killer Croc into it. Like, we got to get Superman in there yeah, somewhere too. Yeah, Poison Ivy. Like everybody at least shows up at one point in this book and it's really good. Like that's probably my go-to if someone's like, I've never really read a Batman comic book before. What should I read? Hmm. Like read Hush. It's not the best thing ever. But it's it's you really need to know nothing really to go into as long as you know the basis of who Batman is. The artwork is awesome. The story is decent. The mystery isn't as good as other stories on my list. But I do believe the best Batman stories are detective stories. And this is a detective story, even though the mystery kind of falls apart towards the end when you're like the whole you know mystery revolves around who's this new guy hush you're like i don't know it's probably the new guy they invented for the story but i'm gonna read anyways <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah my number 10 is hush and and i can even attest to it's a good introductory graphic novel because it's probably one of the first batman stories i ever read yeah, so it was it was one of my first ones too that i read um it's a I, must read. if i were to make a list i don't even know if it would make it though because it I, it was the first one that I read, but I also don't remember hardly anything of it. And I've never wanted to go back to it. Okay. So You read Hush, McCord? Yeah. Okay. You can say anything on Hush? <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely one of those um, that first comes to mind when people say, hey, what, what's a good Batman story? It's almost- As someone that works in a comic book store, yeah, yeah. you can... You can- Speak for that. Absolutely. Anytime a a Batman conversation starts, and it doesn't matter who's working, and it doesn't matter who's in the shop, almost everybody goes to the same, you know, two or three books, and Hush is definitely one of those. And that's why I made my list. People when when we're working. So, so what is it? What is (laughs) it about Hush that kind of that kind of bugs you? Uh, The artwork's great. That's the best thing about Hush. The Jim Lee artwork is great. I I didn't think the story was all that. Okay. Anything, I don't know. It it's did, not spectacular. It never, yeah, it never stuck it with me. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't want to go back to it. Like, yeah. I, I also have need it to... on my Kindle, but I don't want to go back to it. Yeah. I need to shout out the creators for all the books because I did write them down. So, Hush was written by Jeff Loeb and it's drawn by Jim Lee, of course, and it came out in 2002. So, that's my number 10. Kylie, what's your number 10? So, my list, I didn't... <sighs> It was you're, it was hard. I, I kind of just like a straight up preference. Like these are my top the, ten. These these are the these are the stories that stuck with me. <laughs> these are the stories as, that made me. <laughs> as, these are the stories that made me who I am. No, these are the stories that stuck with me as I as I grew up reading Batman. The ones that I that just stuck with me. And you know, Dark Knight Returns is is a great one, and I like it. But it's not on my list. Dark Knight Returns oh. isn't on your no, list. Oh no, no, no. You know, it was good. I was really young when it came out. That was, I mean, hell, Watchmen was coming out when that was out. I was just a kid when I started getting into comics, so that was over my head when I, I was, was like reading negative that. ten when that came out. <laughs> negative eleven. Um, it is something going back to it that I I like more as an Nine. adult, definitely. Yeah, but the ones on my <laughs> list are ones that had an impact on me when I read them and okay. really kind of stuck with me. So my number 10 is from 1993. A lot of them are from the 90s. You can tell um, when Kylie read the most times. <laughs> uh, Batman Venom by Denny O'Neill. Oh, this is a great one. From the Legends of the Dark Knight, issues 16 through 20. Um, Wait, what this was is it? Le- Batman Venom. Batman Venom. Venom. It's, uh, he Not on my list, but a great story. It's, uh, it starts out, uh, he fails to save a little girl um, and it kind of drives him a little crazy. Uh, he, I love those Batman stories. He finds a um, a synthetic steroid that his dad had been working on, uh, recreates it, and it's it's venom basically. And he doses himself up on it to be 
you know, yeah. the better Batman. He can't save a little girl from drowning, so he like basically like I I'm not enough, so he yeah. like starts taking this thing and gets addicted to it. Yeah, no, yeah, mm. it's a basically it's kind of an addiction story. And, and Stanley O'Neill's kind of like commentary on addiction and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, growing up as a child, the the, the all the drugs, you know, say no to drugs. To it's really know, good it too was... because it shows Batman like being vulnerable failing yeah like yeah. like making a bad decision like choosing to take drugs but like you also understand it too it's like oh this little girl died because like he wasn't fast enough like he pushed his body to the limit but like there's just a limit of what the body can mm-hmm. do and he could not save this little girl and it's like man it turns to like peds basically too yeah and that i believe venom is what ended up that's what bane was using to yeah. get all roided yeah. out that's so that's kind of the first appearance of you know yeah. the bane i think drug. in the arkham games they call it titan for some reason and i'm yeah. like why are they like it's venom just why don't fuck with earth it? 2 is miraclo i think <laughs> I, use that, that, I use that on my plants miracle grow yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's Thomas Wayne that takes it in Earth Two as well, mm. because he's not Bruce and he's not that good. Yeah, and so he's just like, eh, I just need to be stronger than everyone else. Just shoots up. All right, my number nine is a story from two thousand eight. I know Kylie was already laughing because Kylie hates this run, but I love it. It's Batman <laughs> R.I.P. from Grant Morrison and Tony Daniel. Um, this story to me works in a lot of ways i i brought it up on our retcons episode of why i think it works in that sense but basically there's this organization called the black glove that wants to break batman because everybody always wants to break batman and so they do it though they basically break batman mentally and uh but you know because batman is batman and he's always got a plan batman basically created a backup personality for himself that so even when he forgets who he is, he had already like created this secondary character within himself that he calls himself the Batman of Zurnar, and it's the way he like gets back to like because they basically bury him alive and stuff, and yeah. that's why it's called Batman R.I.P. Um, there's some really good moments in it. I like it because it like sounds dumb. Re- <laughs> I, I I I did read it because a don't, lot of people were talking about it. And sorry, it, it sounds dumb. It's it, not. Okay. It really condenses <laughs> all of Batman's history into like one streamlined timeline, which is what I really like about it. it. Grant Morrison basically takes all of Batman's continuity ever and say, "Yep, everything happened and here's where it happened." So like all that Silver Age stuff, it happened. Batmite happened. All the like that time when Batman took a potion and became a toddler for an issue, that happened. <laughs> like in, oh, ni- in like 1962. <laughs> but like it, it works the way that Batman does it. And it also has like one of my favorite moments in it. Because at the beginning of Grant Morrison's run, he meets this woman named Jezebel Jett. And she's kind of the the love interest Jezebel. at the beginning. But she's, she's you know, she's involved with this group, the Black Glove. And so she obviously, her name's Jezebel. Who would have thought she would have turned on him? But, uh, <laughs> but in the beginning of Batman R.I.P., Bruce Wayne is like head over heels over for her and he decides he's like I'm going to tell her who I am. So he takes her to that. he takes her to the Batcave and he's like look this is like here's my secret like here's the Batmobile I am Batman blah blah blah. And like she has like a really realistic moment where she's like you're a fucking psychopath. Like <laughs> like she's like like she's like really concerned and I really appreciate that because like yeah dude what would you do if some like millionaire took you into his basement and like showed you all these gadgets and like these, <laughs> it's like like you need help. Like like are you okay? Do you need me to call someone for you? Here's my pleasure room. Yeah, like 
That because that is Alfred you, slowly like, backing out. You, you, you put on this mask with ears on it, and you go out in the night. Like, are you okay? We can talk about this, Bruce. So I really appreciate that moment. I think Batman, Batman R.I.P. It has a lot of haters. It also has its fans. For me, it works, and that's it's not number one. It's number nine. It makes the top ten. Because, like I said, there's better stories, but I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I need to at least have one story from Grant Morrison's run on Batman uh, in my top ten. Only one? So, one from his run. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> one from his tenure on Batman. Uh, gotcha. So, Kylie, what's your number nine? Uh, mine is from 1992, Batman Last Arkham by Alan Grant. And it was uh, a Isn't new... Isn't that the guy from Jurassic Park? Yeah, I, think <laughs> so. I, I think that's Graham, yeah. isn't it? No, I think no, it's I think Grant. It's, it's Dr. Grant. Grant. Yeah, I think it's Dr. Grant. Alan Grant, yeah. right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I was like, wait, I'm not crazy. <laughs> so uh, he made it back. That's good. <laughs> Did he spare no expense on the book? Uh, this was in Shadow of the Bat, the first four issues of Shadow of the Bat. Okay. Um, it was basically the destruction of the original Arkham Asylum because Jeremiah inherits it and he rips it down and they make it Arkham as what we know it today. It's also the first story of Victor Zaz. Oh, okay. That's where we get introduced. He's one we didn't even talk about him. Yeah, he's terrifying. (laughs) He's so Why haven't they done him? Like, again, do some of these other guys in the (laughs) movies, man. Wasn't that in Arkham City? The guy who calls you on the phone? Like, that's terrifying. Like, you're fighting and all of a sudden the phone rings. You're like, crap, somebody's gonna die. And they wasted him (laughs) on the Gotham TV show. I'm like, that was our first live action Zaz. That was one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I mean, For what it's worth, it was the best yeah. episode of a shitty TV <laughs> a show. Shitty, <laughs> shitty TV show. If you yeah. find some solace in that, I guess go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but the it, the story revolved around him being in Arkham and Batman's kind of, you know, these murders are happening and he thinks it's this guy, but he's locked up in Arkham. So he's trying to figure out how this is happening. Um, so he, you know, they come up with this elaborate thing. They've ca- captured Batman, they've declared him insane and they've locked him in Arkham so he can figure out what's going on mm-hmm. you basically find out that jeremiah arkham is the insane one and he's letting all these people loose at night and yeah. let them do their thing so never trust somebody named jeremiah, jeremiah. No. <laughs> never oh. my number eight is a book that came out in 1989 it's um, called this is also my number eight. Oh, is it really yeah. oh cool <laughs> uh it's called gotham by gaslight it's by brian is it augustine is that augustine uh, that's what i thought augustine and of or course augustine. mike mignola who everyone knows from hellboy fame um this book yeah. This book has significance because, number one, it was the first ever Elseworlds yep. book under the Elseworlds imprint, which was basically... Uh, and they ne- I don't think the original printing was ever called an Elseworlds book. I think it was okay. after the fact that they were like, hey, this should be a thing. And every every other printing after that was Elseworlds. It was a straight And that's kind of what novel. started the Elseworlds If stuff. you've never read Gotham by Gaslight, I highly recommend it because it's only like 100 pages. It's yeah, it's, it's really tiny. short and it's a it. one and done thing. It's yeah. it's bad. Oh, it's, I think you'd like it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gotham by Gaslight's amazing. It's it's Batman in the 1800s. It had the figure, I think. Yeah. 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 It's uh, Batman in the 1800s versus Jack the Ripper. That's the easiest pitch. It's, it's, yeah. it's steampunk Batman. It's Batman with no technology in a Victorian setting in 1800s America or late 17, whatever, whatever yeah. it was. And uh, Jack the Ripper has been, you know, killing women in England and has now 
moved to Gotham. Oh, I was gonna say in America. How was yeah. Jack the Ripper? <laughs> yeah, and uh, th- there's a there's a twist at the end that I'm not gonna spoil here if you've never read it. But if yeah. you've if you haven't read the book and you've seen the movie, I can't stress enough read the book because they did an animated movie and it's fine, but it's not the book. Like yeah, it, yeah I've heard it really doesn't follow the book. They, at all, they, so I'd never yeah, even they just kept the name and like the movie's fine on its own. But if mm. you're trying to look for if you're trying to find an adaptation of this, you're not gonna find that. And it's Mignola art. It looks amazing. Yeah. It's it's really really good. And I say it's just a short read. If you want, like, I want to read something different. Here's something different. Like Batman with a trench coat on in the 1800s, hopping yeah. around. That's pretty cool. It, yeah, it's definitely worth a worth a look see. Okay. All right. Well then, I say I will just let you go then, since I stole your number. We'll go to your number seven. Uh, yep. Number seven is uh, Denny O'Neill and Norm Breifogel, my Batman artist uh, from 1992. Who also just passed away, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that earlier, but uh, Batman: Birth of the Demon, Ooh. which is you kind of get a origin story of of Ra's al Ghul in this. Um, but the main, as you're as you're reading the book and you're getting the flashbacks of his origin. It's basically the story is Batman traveling the globe, hunting down all the Lazarus pits and trying to destroy them. So Roz oh. cannot come back. Uh, and it was it. It's really. <laughs> I good. won't kill you. I just won't let you I resurrect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that that was that's a very good story. Oh, that's awesome. My number seven is from 2004. It's written by Jed Winnick and drawn by Doug Mankey, who's one of my favorite artists ever. Uh, it's Batman Under the Red Hood, or which is it was originally called Under the Hood, but then they made a movie and called it Under the Red Hood, and the movie got so popular that when they reprinted the trade, then how the trade is now called Under the Red Hood because so, the movie was awesome and, and the and movie had a sweet knife fight. It is, and <laughs> the book is really really good too. This is probably one of the few cases where when people be like, "Yeah, the movie's better than the book," you're like, "Yeah, maybe." Like it's. It, it you could make a case for that, but the book is still really really good, and the book definitely goes deeper because it's not an hour and fifteen minute animated movie; it's a full story arc in a comic book. So there's there's scenes that aren't in the movie that are in the book, and there's scenes that are shortened in the movie that are able to be explored more in the book. So, um, you know, this was around the same time that Brubaker was doing Winter Soldier. Oh, in Marvel, yeah. and and the, these stories, are, these stories are very similar, you know. And I think we both agreed when we did our retcons episode. Winter Soldier is probably a better story. Oh yeah, but Under the Red Hood, I think, still has its own merit, and it's a very emotional story. And it also like Red Hood will never be better than he is in this in this story. And it kind of, I kind of wish he would just go away. Like I'm glad they brought him back Shut for this story, face. but he has no <laughs> reason to exists yeah. now but he is really really good here and the ending of this book is very emotional i think and there's there's some really good stuff that i think will pull on the heartstrings a little bit and say doug Mankey's amazing man he he's been doing it forever still doing it too so yep under the red hood my mm-hmm. number seven nice well your number six my number six is it's uh there are two stories that kind of go together with each other. It's a Batman Cataclysm, which leads into No Man's Land. That's which... such a cheat. Oh. It's like, <laughs> like my my number six is Batman from '95 to 2001. <laughs> like those are such long story arcs. Like... This this is this is it went from '98 to '99. It was 80 issues altogether. <laughs> like Jesus, oh Christ. God. that's not fair. <laughs> like like it was it was that's a, it that's was omnibus. Like, that's, that's like all, two omnibuses. But that's all for two years. That's all that was going on in any of the Batman titles. It's it was true. This was it's, this gigantic story. Dude, no, no man's, man's land, land is amazing. man. Is amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, 
and and uh, of course you can't get to no man's land without cataclysm. That's why I added yeah. it because cataclysm is what what starts everything off, and it's the big earthquake that hits, pretty much destroys all of Gotham except basically all of Bruce Wayne's buildings because yeah. he has them earthquake proof. And the U.S. government Batman. basically says fuck Gotham and like yeah. burns down all they the bridges. They blow the bridges and, like, up. Yeah, and they like say, cut off. Like you guys are on your tough. own. Oh, you told me about that. Batman yeah. gets out. He's he's he goes to Washington to try to you know appeal to the government to send help while all the rest of the heroes are in Gotham trying to you know. There's a point where Huntress actually makes her own Batman suit and she's a- actually running around as Batman. And the government was like, "Fuck that shit, ho! <laughs> Burn the bridges." <laughs> uh, there's a there's a part where uh, Commissioner Gordon ends up teaming up with Two Face. To no man's save a section crazy. of the yeah, yeah. No city, man's land is awesome. um, and it all accumulates now. with Joker. Ended up killing uh, Sandra Kane is really awesome in No yeah. Man's Land. Um, Gordon's wife gets killed by the Joker at the end of it all. It's it, it was it was huge. It was a huge story. Oh yeah, No Man's Land. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Like it's a must read because when you show it to somebody, it's like here here's three trades and they're each. No, there's, there's, I think there's four, and I think there's even a road to No Man's Land. Yeah. So there's like just in, like like just, here's two years of your it's, life. It's, 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 it's eighty. It's eighty issues if you read all the crossovers and all the the stuff. It's not a book for the casual comic book fan. It's definitely something that you know if you are into Batman and you're a hardcore reader, definitely. But again, I, I, and so I read all good. of these because I was getting every stinking Batman title at the time and. You know. Yeah, but that's one of those things where this, like, this is like this every is the, issue is intriguing. Yes, it's yeah, going to be no, like the War of the Realms yeah. coming up. There's uh, a really yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> there's a really beautiful moment too uh, in that. No Man's Land where like Gordon and Batman have like this like kind of falling out, and Batman tries to reveal his identity to Gordon, and Gordon like turns around. He's like, I don't even want to yep. know. He's like, yeah. put, he's like, put the cow back on. He goes, I don't care because like basically like you're something bigger than a man. If I, I don't want you to be a person that I can touch and you know what i mean and know who you are you need to be this symbol you need to be this entity like i don't want to know and it's it's a really well written scene it's so good yeah. Who are, yeah. i mean you can't even list all the creators on no man's life because <laughs> um yeah there there was a lot there was a lot too many yeah. dc yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dc offices <laughs> at the time my number six uh 1987 after uh a big event called Crisis on Infinite Earths. They had to reboot all their titles, and they're like, we're going to get John Byrne to revamp Superman, and we're going to get George Perez to redo Wonder Woman, and they got Frank Miller to revamp Batman with artist David Mazzucchelli, who had just done Born Again and Daredevil a year or two oh, earlier. Yeah. Same creative team from Born Again. They did a, a book called Batman Year One. Um, one of the best origin stories probably ever told it's almost more of a jim gordon story than it yeah. is a batman story yeah. but it's really really good it was really close to hitting my list it <laughs> was it was one i was on your list. No, 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 dude no. the worst <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> um i mean there's that dinner scene everybody knows the you know ladies and gentlemen you've eaten well the whole thing oh my gosh it's it's really good batman year one it's just one of those things, like like I mentioned before my list, when you're like, you hear it for so long, and then you read it, you go, yep, that's good as everybody says it was. Like, yeah. they, they, that's like almost no comment. And they have that scene Batman where he, one. he saves Gordon's son, mm-hmm. and he's he's Bruce Wayne at the time, Yeah, but Gordon has had his glasses knocked off or whatever, and he knows whoever this guy is is Batman, but he can't see who it is, and I'm like, that's awesome. And it's a really good becoming Batman story, yeah. like that transition. And even some of the stuff Frank Miller does with Selena Kyle in that story is really good. You know, not because he makes her a prostitute, but because he makes her a guardian for this other younger child and stuff. And like, 
I don't know. Just, it, it was a really good, like, I guess, like, foundation for where Batman was going to go after Crisis. And, like, Frank Miller just came in and knocked it out of the park. Like, hey, we're going to, re- we, we only get one shot at this. Everything's starting over. We're starting Batman from the ground up. Like, you couldn't have done it better, I don't think. Like, Batman year one is it. So, yeah. Kylie, what's your number five? Um, so after a long hiatus of not reading Batman when uh, Grant Morrison took over. Are our number five is the same, too? Um, no, 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 oh. no, no, no. Uh, it's close though. Uh, Black Mirror. Oh. This is before the yeah. New Fifty Two and Scott Snyder was writing with Jock drawing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was. It's Dick Grayson. This Batman. is a Dick Grayson. Yeah, it's a Dick Grayson Batman, yeah, Batman story. Uh, but it was you the, would love Grant Morrison's Batman. It was no. the commissioner. It was a <laughs> James Morrison. Gordon Jr. That was that story yep. where oh, he's yeah. like he is a freaking psychopath, and he was a new character. Yeah, and he comes back into town. You know, he's off his meds. No, he. You find out he's not off his meds. He's taking. He switched it up somehow to make him more psychotic. Oh yeah. Um, and I was it Barbara who found because. They they know he's he's killing people, but mm-hmm. they can't really prove it. Um, but then they find the box of keys of all the people that he's killed. He's collecting like the keys, yeah. and uh, it was just it this was, one was an honorable mention for me. Black it was it was really it was good. twisted enough for me that someone had had mentioned what was going on in the story of Detective Comics. This was back in 2011, and it, it was Detective 871 through 881. This was Scott Snyder's kind of like hello at world on yeah. Scott Snyder. It, for people that hadn't read like American Vampire and some of his like Vertigo stuff, this was kind of his coming out party before they let him take over the main book. Yeah, and that that is um, so I started reading that. Someone had explained the story that was going on. I got the the three or four issues that was mm-hmm. out and read that, and I'm like, oh my god, I've I found my love for Batman again now yeah. that Grant Morrison ruined it for <laughs> me. Um, and then when they came out and said this guy is going to be writing Batman when we reboot, I'm like, I'm in. I'm, I'm it's probably I'm the best Dick Grayson Batman story. It, yeah, no, I yeah. Awesome. and that's coming from somebody that likes Grant Morrison's Batman and thinks there are other good Dick Grayson Batman stories. Like I think Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin story from when Dick was Batman and was Dick and Damien. I like all that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, me too. But Black Mirror is is and I'm really I'm a big horror good. fan and like it that. really had oh, that dude, horror Jock, aspect. Jock to is it. terrifying. Like Jock's artwork is terrifying. Like and he's drawing the Batman who laughs miniseries that's going on right oh. now which i'm actually not reading but i did pick up the first issue and it was fine but i mean he's really really good so my number five is the story that comes right after yours <laughs> in 2011 when dc said we're starting over again and we're revamping everything with 52 number ones um i i did not read black mirror as it came out i had read it year, years later in a trade so i, I wasn't when they were like announcing all the creative teams for who's going to take over all these new 52 books. Like, yeah, George Perez is going to do Superman. And we're going to get, like, Brian Azzarello is going to do Wonder Woman and stuff. And then when they announced Batman, I'm like, who's Scott Snyder? And I was like, that's, like, your Mm. biggest book? You're giving it to that guy? Like, I don't even know who this guy is. And I I already had kind of written it off. I I was a Spawn fan, so I knew Greg Capullo because he had done, like, 80 issues of Spawn. But I did not know who Scott Snyder was. And, man, is there a better, like, coming out of the gates first story of a run than this one dude batman the court of owls 
It was good. It's good. Dude, yeah, ta- that's that's my fa- that's my <sighs> it, favorite. Batman it has story. one of my all time favorite single issues in history. In I, that, that's in my notes, which here. is the issue maze, number the five. Labyrinth the issue, the, yeah, yeah, the labyrinth yeah. Yeah. issue five so is such a good issue. If, if anyone hasn't read it, they did. I think it's issue five. Yeah, it's issue five. Yeah. Uh, issue five of of New Fifty Two Batman. It's a labyrinth. It's a whole issue where Batman is stuck in this labyrinth that's underneath Gotham, and so because he's stuck in this maze, you have to turn the comic book every single page. Well, he's, like, he's He's slowly he's going, going crazy. Mm-hmm. And there's one point in the book where, you he's know, like, don't you, drink the water. I have to drink. The yeah. Water. <laughs> so he's starting to kind of go insane. Yeah. And then you flip the page at one point and you're like, wait a minute, this it, isn't right. And you kind of have to flip the book they, sideways. Print this wrong. Yeah. And then you yeah. reread it and you flip it again. And then you have to do another, you know, clockwise turn to it. And I kind of realized, oh, it's I'm going crazy along with Batman <laughs> while I'm reading this book, and it was awesome. Yeah, and Snyder said they were terrified to do that. Like DC didn't want to do it, and they and he's like, oh, we were even scared to do it because like, are people even going to get what this is supposed to be? Are people going to be calling in saying my books are messed up, they're printed wrong? Well, that like, was my first thing, and me I thought, too. and the the first thing I thought because I went to flip back, and I thought, no, if it was misprinted, I would have seen it on the page before, you know, the page it's connected to, basically. So I kind of put two and two together there and went, okay, uh, let's go with this. And And the awesome scene of Batman putting the the, uh, Hellbat armor on for the first time. Get the hell out of my house. (laughs) That's so good, man. Well, you know, like, betrayal stories are very common. And again, they dates all the way back. I mean, we're talking Julius Caesar, you know, like a good betrayal story executed well um, takes people by surprise and people like being surprised, especially in a day when we have so much media content that it's difficult to be surprised anymore. But when it was Gotham that was the betrayer, the city itself, like Batman's greatest ally, the shadows have now betrayed him. Like that in and of itself just blew my mind. And yeah, Snyder said that's same. how he pitched it to DC. It was like, what if this guy that thinks he knows this city backwards and forwards Doesn't. has had this underground thing that's been going on right underneath his nose for centuries? And like, he, he thinks that he knows that city better than anybody on the planet, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only that, but it's like the group of like the one percenters that he's technically a part. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It was mm-hmm. right there in front of his face. And do you like, you don't understand like how awesome, how amazing of achievement it is to add a piece to that mythos because the batman lore mm. is so you know what i mean like it was so concrete at the time and yeah. you also as you read it you were like you also felt betrayal like <laughs> yeah like no what? absolutely when you find out grayson was being groomed as yeah. an owl yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's just batman just decks him and knocks yeah. him to the oh dude <laughs> it it's the best so thing. good that's when we learned that batman <laughs> can hit you in such a way to knock out one specific <laughs> tooth <laughs> he knows his shit but it's kind of like we mentioned earlier with snyder trying to do with duke and everyone's like immediately rejecting it because yeah. it's hard to add another spoke to that wheel so for him to bring in this whole crime organization and for people to buy it i mean like Morrison had done best. it the run before with Damien, like adding a new piece into that, you know, and whether you like Damien or you don't, he created, he, he I, cre- like I do too, but <laughs> he added another piece in there that was able to stick. That's an accomplishment because yeah. it's hard to do, especially in Batman. You can create new characters all day and maybe one out of every 20 of them will be around in 10 years. Like mm. the Court of Owls is one of those things that's like, it's not something that's going to be used a lot, but I don't think it's ever going to go away. Right. 
So. Yeah, well, it's like she said, uh, how we felt Betrayal 2. I'm thinking, do I need to go back and reread? Did I miss something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Batman felt too. Like, how could yeah. I have yeah. missed this along the way? Oh man, I especially when Snyder. That's my favorite. When Snyder's that's like, yeah, favorite. when you think about it, you know, like the natural predator for a for a bat is an, is owl, an owl, and you're like. <laughs> like did you there just was... blow my mind yeah. now? <laughs> the answer is yes. <sighs> Your mind and, is blown. And Capullo is amazing. Oh, Every gorgeous. page of this is gorgeous. beautiful. It was so good. If there was any doubt, like, oh man, Capullo does some like kind of darker, like more twisted stuff with image and spawn. Like, can he do Batman? Like reading Court of Valor is like, oh no, yeah, he's he's gonna be just fine on this book. <laughs> like if there was any doubters, they were gone. So that is my number five. Uh my number four is uh, The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. This is my number two. Nice. Um, 13 issues. This is the closest I'm getting to a year one because it's shortly after year one. It is very early. Yeah, it's very early (laughs) in his... They just couldn't uh, call it Batman year two. (laughs) Very early in his career. It's a must read. You kind of have a good, nice nice little origin of Two-Face in there. Um, Uh, Christopher Nolan said they took a lot of this. And you can see it when you read it. A lot of the Dark Knight is in this book. Yeah. I love Two Face, um, and I liked it. It was it was a year long. There was it was about the holiday killer. Something will happen on every holiday, so every issue dealt with the particular holiday in the month. And it goes through one year. Yeah, of and time. it's it was and it's it kind of like Hush too, where like almost every major character shows up. At yeah, one oh point. yeah, definitely. Like, so, Joker so, has yeah. an issue. So when you were talking about Hush, I kept thinking about no, Long Halloween is the better one. Well, and Long Halloween, oh, yeah, that's why this. Long Halloween yeah. number two on my yeah. list because like <laughs> not number. Like I mentioned earlier, like the best stories for Batman are detective stories, but the the mystery for Hush kind of falls apart. This one works. Like Long Halloween, you're in it the whole time, and and it changes in those last two issues. We're like, oh, the killer is this guy. Wait, yeah, no, no, it's this guy. Oh, wait, no, no, no. And we're not gonna spoil who it is if anyone hasn't read it. But the the mystery is very intriguing. It 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 keeps you on your you know your toes the whole time you're reading it. And Tim Sale, man, his art is beautiful. That's yeah. not him at Emerald City. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's, he still does covers, I think, from time. He's doing a cover for Detective 1000, I think. He's doing one. Oh, nice. I think it's the 90s cover, actually. Oh, it would be. make sense. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Bruce Tim is doing the, the 40s cover. That's the one I want. That one's mm. freaking beautiful, man. But, uh, yeah, Batman Long Halloween is just... I mean, yeah, it is what it is. There, there's, I say, Christopher Nolan, was that was one of the books that he mentioned a lot. And there's a scene from The Dark Knight with... Batman, Gordon, and and Dent on the roof of the GCPD. Oh yeah, and that that oh, that, so that, good. that scene is taken almost word for well, word. Well, and not book. only with this one, you don't. It's not just all the villain. I mean, you've got the crime bosses also in this. You got it's Falcone. a mob story. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, it's 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 just everything, and it's awesome. It's it's every, everything good about Batman is in is yeah. in that is in the So okay, um, let's see. My number four. My number four. Is 1988 Alan Moore, Brian Boland? It's Batman: The Killing Joke. Yep. Um, it's it's another one there. of those. Oh yeah, it's got to be there. It's a book everyone's read. If you haven't read it, what are you waiting for? It's another one of those ones. What else is there to say? It's as good as everybody says it is. That opening scene of The Killing Joke is maybe one of my favorite. To me, one of the best written scenes in comics. The dialogue. I I love the deconstruction of Batman and Joker's relationship throughout this book mm. and the whole thing of Batman going to Arkham to talk to the Joker even though it's not really him but the idea that it's like like we need to talk about us about what's going to happen to us in the end like like I'm afraid that I'm going to kill you at so or because there's only one way this ends and I need to know that I take every possible 
you know, prevention I can to before that happens, because like, I'm afraid that's where this is leading to. And I don't want, I don't want to die at your hands. And I'd also don't want to kill you. Like there's a scene of like him talking to Alfred where it's like, I don't know him, Alfred. We've been doing this for years and years and I don't know who he is. And if, if I've always been against the idea of giving the Joker an origin story, but if you're going to give him one, this one really works. And this book covers its tracks really well by giving you an origin story, but then at the end also being like, oh, yeah, but maybe that's not really what it is. So it's a win-win scenario there. Uh, Brian Boland's art's amazing. Um, I mean, all the complaints about the treatment of Barbara Gordon are all fair. Like, she is a plot device, and her the way she's treated in this story is not the best. But it isn't, but it did. It changed her character. It did. I mean, and and it, in my opinion, for the better, as I yeah. already said, it impacted the stories for the future. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's yeah, why it, I it, think like Hollywood, I think this is the book that the reason Hollywood thinks that we have to do Joker, we have to do Joker. And, and, and I think it comes fair. down to that book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this one, um, I remember picking this up off the shelf because of that Boland cover. It was just so striking. It, and it still is. Like, oh, it yeah. holds up. It, like, it's a beautiful cover. Find someone that doesn't know that image of him yeah. holding the camera. Ooh. I have the statue of it. Like, it's, it's... So creepy. It is. It's so, so good. So creepy. And it, it's really built on a good idea of Alan Moore's basically channeling through the Joker of, like, anybody is just one bad day away from turning into a psychopath. And, like... It's really true though. Like, like he he gets to Batman a little bit at the end. He's like, everybody just needs one bad day. Surely you had a bad day once. No one just goes out in the night dressed like a rodent yeah. fighting crime. <laughs> like, and he, it, like he's like, I don't. He, and, but it's like it's true though. It's like his whole premise of why he's Batman is built on one night, mm-hmm. one bad experience. You take that situation away, that whole thing is gone. And Joker had a bad day and went a different way with his, but. It's like I can and his whole thing of like, I'm going to take the most even keeled straight guy on the planet, Jim Gordon, and I'm going to push him to his limits because I'm going to prove that if I put somebody through enough hell, I can get anybody to go psycho and it blows up in his face. But it's not but it's it's a reasonable theory at the beginning. You're like, yeah, you probably could. You could probably crack anybody if you put them through enough hell. So and then there's also like some whether you believe one thing happens or another thing happens at the end. I do like... I, I, I this do, is why it's not on my top 10, is this see, conspiracy I, I, I theory I love shit. that, though. I love that it's open <laughs> enough to where it's like, that's the reason we get to keep talking about it, this it book is, for 30 Brian Boland has come out and said, no. So, no. <laughs> that that did not happen. Um, it it's was just, it was really close with year one with me, where it was such an almost on the list. And it, you know, I don't know. And then... Again, too, and we've had this conversation before, you know, if you've read The Killing Joke, the, the the book ends with the Joker telling Batman this joke, and the joke is clearly a metaphor for the two of them, but who is who, mm-hmm. right? So the joke is that there's these two guys in an insane asylum, and they both decide they don't like that anymore, so they decide one night we're going to break out. So the two guys are breaking out of the prison, and they're running, and all they have to do is jump off the prison onto the next building across, and they're free, free to go. And the one guy, he makes a jump, no problem. The other guy, he's too scared to jump. He can't do it. And he's, he says, I, I can't do it. I'm too scared. And the guy, he says, what if I do this? What if I turn my flashlight on and make a beam of light across the two buildings and you could just walk across the light and join me on the other side? And he got, he's like, what do you think? I'm freaking insane. He's like, you just turned the light off when I was halfway across. <laughs> and the, it's not that great of a joke, but the metaphor is, is, is the guy that jumps first 
the Joker that's trying to get Batman to come over to insanity with him? Or is Batman the guy that jumps first that's trying to bring Joker back? Because the whole book, Joker's trying to push Batman to insanity. But then at the end of the book, Batman's like, let me help you. This isn't too late. And Joker says it's far too late for me. Mm. So, like... There's so much depth in the killing joke of layers to uncover there. And that's why that this book is so good because you can look at it from so many angles. So the killing joke, again, it's like, God, the killing joke is only like 50 pages. Yeah, you can read it one. in it's 20, good. 30 minutes. It's a must read. And it's read. beautiful. Boland's artwork is just gorgeous. No matter which version you get, some people really prefer the original version because when they, they recolored it and some people really don't like the newly colored version, I think they're both fine. So. Mm. Yeah, Killing Joke is a must-own. It's a must-read. It's a book everybody should have on their shelf. Yeah, just read The Killing Joke. That's my number four. Uh, my number three is another one of those gigantic bastards, uh, Nightfall. Oh, God. <laughs> so my number three is Batman from like 90 to 94. <laughs> 93 to 93, 94, yeah. It was, only, it was only, you know, the two years. Yeah, but stretch, it's like but... four or five titles, though. So. <laughs> yeah, again, it's all it's all of them. It went through. It it's was... like two omnibuses worth. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kylie doesn't Chuck pick Dixon. books, he picks years. Chuck, yeah. Chuck Dixon, Denny <laughs> These O'Neil, are my favorite Alan years Grant. of Batman. These are my top um, 10 favorite years of Batman. Well, what I really liked about it, I loved uh, the character they introduced, Azrael. I loved that character. Um, but I also like how um, Bane broke Batman. He kind of cheated in a way where he basically broke everyone out of Arkham and Batman was just up. Oh, really? for break days on end yeah. trying to get all these guys what? from Arkham. It must have been a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but he was trying to, he was just gathering up all these criminals. I mean, he wasn't getting any sleep. He wasn't getting any rest. And then it was, that's when Bane came in when Batman was just, you know, exhausted and kicked and his Bane ass. And Bane was a new and, character at this yeah, point and, too. And broke his back and... It was, I don't know. It, and then I, they I did it in a movie it was, and it wasn't nearly as cool. God, no. Worry about it. Not good, man. Could have been the best trilogy my of all time. This is Bane and he straight up broke my back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah Nightfall. Nightfall. Plus you get Asriel Batman out of it and you get some. And he, he goes a little psycho. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it should have been Dick, man. Well, like, yeah. It, it, yeah, and it's I would just slap in the face to Dick, like, "Oh, I'm out of commission for a while. Hey, guy, that's been with me for years that I've been training. Will you help me talk to this John Paul Valley guy? I want to know if he'll take my spot. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what a slap in the face! <laughs> should have been Dick, man. It should have. It should have. I, I do. I do like me some Azrael. So. Yeah. I mean that costume is as nineties as it gets. Yeah. If yeah. anybody ever wants Flaming to know, like swords coming out of it. If anyone wants to ever like, what was comics like in the nineties? Like just Google chains. Asriel Batman <laughs> and chains, cable. spikes. Yeah, yeah cable, spawn. cable, spawn. and Asriel. Yeah. yeah, and spawn. All that stuff. Yeah. That was Joe. That Joe Casada designed that costume yeah. for Asriel Batman. So pretty insane. All right, my number three is the other Grant Morrison story on my top ten, nice. which is Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious earth. Came out in 1989. It's by Grant Morrison and uh, Dave McKean. And this book, to me, is the perfect movie that's never been made because I think it's a movie you can make for pretty cheap. Yeah. And there's not... And like I think everybody would love it because you get to see all the characters and there's not even really a ton of like crazy CGI stuff you'd have to do. Like... Arkham Asylum is a is a billion dollar movie if they ever make it. it. It's just, it's basically you know all of the villains in Arkham overthrow the whole thing, and Batman has to like basically walk through Arkham Asylum and basically defeat 
the Joker and everything. But well, that, was, it's, that was the premise of the video game. Yeah, it, and yeah. Th- this came out, you know, twenty years before that. And um, like the game and the book aren't that similar, other than premise. Like, like they take the premise, but then the game yeah. kind of goes in its own way. But I mean, they clearly were pulling from mm-hmm. this. That's why they took the name Markham Asan. Right. Um, when well, you got that Dave McKeon artwork oh, in it, that, it's, it's and it's. Beautiful. Dude, it's the stuff of nightmares, though. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff in there that's just really bone chilling, and there's parts of it that are told in the present. There's parts of it that are told in the past because it's kind of giving you an origin story for Arkham Asylum as well, of like the original Arkham family and what they were doing and why they started the asylum and what they were trying to do, and then it bounces back and forth between that and what's happening with Batman, and also has like my favorite like Two Face moment ever at the very end of the book because they they you get these like little files throughout the book of like what them working with the patients and you know two faces thing is that he cannot make a decision on his own he has to rely on his coin every single time right. and so the one like therapist guy was starting to break through with Harvey Dent and actually get him to start you know actually rehabilitating somebody in Arkham for god's sake like god forbid um and then basically at the end of the book Batman Joker has Batman basically kind of cornered and it's like I could kill you right now and whatever but he's like i'm gonna leave it up to harvey basically i'm gonna let you flip the coin it heads i kill batman tails will let you free like we'll let you go whatever and um um two-face flips the coin and he's like tails let him go whatever and joker's kind of like ah crap you know like fine like he he like kind of honors his word whatever it's like this is my game you beat my game go ahead and go but after batman leaves you see harvey dent has the coin and it was heads but he made the decision himself because he didn't believe that it, you know what I mean? Like he, right. Like Batman had got through to him. That's like, right. this isn't right. Two face yeah. is so good. Just never know. <laughs> you just don't know what he's going to do. That, the first he's... time I read that, I was like blown away. I was like, that's such a good moment where it's like, you see him hiding the coin and it's like, yeah, it was tails. It was tails. And it's like, Oh dude, that's such a good moment. Like, and this is Grant Morrison in his really early heyday. And, um, like, Grant Morrison is, you know, he's known for taking a lot of psychedelic drugs and doing a lot of stuff. This is way before all of that. And uh, he did a really fascinating interview with Kevin Smith one time where he was saying to write this book, to push himself to like insanity, he would stay up for like two to three days at a time before he would even start writing because he wanted to like put himself in a mental state that like wasn't at its full capacity to write these characters and stuff. And I'm like, that's like, he's like method writing almost. Like, I kind of like admire that dedication. So Arkham Asylum, it's it makes awesome. sense why he turned to drugs because that's easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, it's way faster. Oh, this is much faster. <laughs> faster. He wasn't making deadlines. I mean, I mean, you only have so much time to get those stories. Read. He also tells a really funny story where there was a problem where DC almost didn't want to publish part of this book because they have the Joker in like madonna style outfit with like the pointy like cone nipples and stuff and this book came out in 1989 and it was right when the movie was coming out and um because this was the 80s and because people had different views on different things at this point they're like we don't want we're almost scared to publish these pages because jack nicholson's people are afraid that they're gonna think he is gay if they see this book of the joker cross-dressing which is like it sounds ridiculous now but that was like a legitimate thing that happened it's like wow really so, I don't know, kind of interesting. That's my number uh, three. My number two is from 2000 uh, by Darwin Cook. It's called Batman Ego. Oh, that's a good one. Have you ever read that? Yep. Okay. Um, it's uh, Darwin Cook, man, rest in peace. Yeah. 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 Uh, basically, the gist of it is Batman captures one of the Joker's henchmen and beats the location of the Joker out of him. And, you know... The, I think it's a night. The next night, he 
he's chasing this same goon down. He has killed his family. And then he ends up killing himself because he's given up the Joker and he knows he's screwed anyway. They're all going to die. So he ends up killing his whole family and kills himself in front of Batman, which, you know, pushes Batman a little crazy. He goes back to the Batcave and has this split personality mental breakdown where it's Bruce Wayne and Batman just talking about things. And he because he's like, nope, I'm going to give up being Batman. And then Batman comes out and he's like, no, we need to do this. And they, it's this big back and forth between like the the id and the super ego. Bruce Wayne's the super ego, and Batman's the id. And it's, it gets really deep. And at one point, Batman's like, "Well, we just need to go kill the Joker and get this done with." And Bruce Wayne has to talk him out of it. And they finally come to an agreement of saying, "You know what? I'll, you know, you keep being Batman, and I will take all of the guilt, and I'll hold that in as Bruce Wayne, and we can go about our thing." Mm-hmm. And the end of the book is. He, you know, it's him going off into the night, and you hear he hears a call that oh, the Joker's broken out, and he's going off to, you know, go f- uh, go fight again. It was, huh. it's really good. So I think it's pretty clear what my number one is at this point, but uh, I have no clue what yours is. <laughs> Honestly, I have no freaking clue. Okay. But before we get to number ones, is there any other ones that you we want to mention, or anybody else can jump into this? But any ones that we haven't mentioned? Um, I was really close to putting whatever happened to the Cape Crusader. Oh, on yeah. my list, the That's Neil Gaiman story is really good. I say No Man's Land was a, was a close one that just didn't get there, but I, I've got one that's actually a, it's not an actual comic story, All-Star but it's Batman a, and Rock. no, no, it's a story from the animated series, and it's called Almost Got Him. Oh, I thought you were saying I got Batman in my basement. No, 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 no. it's it's where all the villains are sitting around at the bar almost talking about that one time they almost got the Batman. Yeah, I, I love that story. And Joker has the best burn on Two Face of all time, where they start arguing, <laughs> and then Two Face tells Joker, "He's like, get out of my face," and he's like, "Which one?" It's <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> it's not as good as Heart of Ice, though. I don't know. There's also that one uh, where. Bat Batgirl dies. Uh oh, god! Uh, and you find out it's yeah, it's, it's Batman it's, it's tripping from the the Scarecrow stuff. Yeah, but oh, that that was a great episode. Uh, god, what the, it's like off the off the edge or the edge or something. Like, that's the name of the episode. It's like something to do with over the edge. I think that's yeah, what it's I think that's it. It's a pretty graphic scene too because like you see Commissioner Gordon she driving falls onto his yeah, car. Yeah, he's like driving <laughs> and Batgirl like it's pushed off a building top and she lands on Commissioner Gordon's car. Like it's I mean it's a cartoon, but you see it all though. Yeah. Like Jesus. <laughs> like it's a cartoon show for yeah. god's sakes you know i i actually really enjoyed uh, just recently right before the the so-called wedding uh, the gift <laughs> the wedding that wasn't yeah the uh, the the gift arc where booster gold goes back in time to show what would have happened if mm-hmm. if uh tony daniel and tom king yeah uh Thomas and Martha didn't ever die. Did Tom King finally get around to writing Batman? <laughs> I heard that was going to happen. <laughs> um, so, so what happens is, is you now see a world where Batman, where Bruce Wayne never becomes Batman and you see what happens. So Batman never had his bad day, but the Joker still had his. Yeah. And the Joker kind of sets out this virus that's turning everybody else into Jokers. So it opens up. The first scene is Green Lantern putting his ring to his head and he's got this big Joker smile on his face and he says, you know, this ring's not supposed to hurt me unless you have a lot of willpower and nobody has more willpower than me and literally punches his brains out. Wow. Jeez. Like that's how it opens. You're like, (laughs) 
Oh, are you trying to tell me? Oh, crap. Are you trying to tell me there was a suicidal character in a Tom King story? Please tell me that's not what And Selena Kyle ends up being like almost like a feral cat. And then he he shows up to to Bruce and says, hey, Bruce, isn't this great? I just showed you what it would be like if your parents were alive. Now I got to go back and fix it. Yeah, thanks, dude. (laughs) And and, uh, Bruce Bruce kind of puts his uh, head in his hands and says, you know, that makes so much sense. I keep having these dreams that I lose my parents. And he's like, yeah, that's actually what really happened. But this is your gift. You you get to yeah. see what what would have happened. <laughs> Thanks, oh. Thanks and, Booster. Appreciate and the it. minute Booster turns his back, uh, Bruce knocks him out and breaks his time machine. He says, I'm not going through that. I'm never going back. And then it's kind of Booster trying to figure out how to, how to deal with that. Uh, Dick Grayson is Batman. But he's a but he was never trained by Bruce, so really yeah. he's the Punisher. Yeah, he's like nice. Batman with guns. Oh. Yeah, and he has all these guns, and he Dick finds Booster, and he's like, "Hey, you're a hero that hasn't been turned by the Joker. Well, I might as well kill you now because it's better than what's coming." And so then he tries to hunt Booster, <laughs> Booster Gold. It's only like four issues, but that that story I really really Tom enjoyed. Tom King's done some pretty solid. Uh, the with no joke, the Batman Elmer Fudd crossover that one shot. <laughs> Seriously, it's, I've dude, heard nothing but good things. I haven't it, read it. It, it is, dude, because he plays it totally straight, totally straight with the Looney Tunes characters, and like it, it's ridiculous. And then like the War of Jokes and Riddles was really, really good. As yeah, well. War of Jokes and Riddles um, was really good too. I don't know death if they're top the ten material, but Tom King's doing some good stuff. Like that. There's Death in the Family and Death of the yep, Family. Yeah, of yeah, course. The, yeah, those are good. Uh, death in the Family's what Jim Starlin and. Uh, I don't remember who drew that. Apparel. Jim Apparel. Okay. I really liked, it's not a Bruce Wayne story, but I really liked the Flashpoint Batman stuff. Oh, the, the, the tie-ins? The, yeah. the Brian Tom- Azzarello tie-ins? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the Thomas Wayne stuff? The Thomas yeah. Wayne. Oh, I, like, right when he's, at the beginning, when he's in the sewer hunting Killer Croc, and Croc pops out, and he just buries a machete into his skull. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole this. twist with, like, the Joker, <laughs> I was like, Martin. oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, my the, my comic honorable mention is from 92 by Alan Grant. Uh, it was just a, it crossed over between Batman, Detective, and Legends of the Dark Knight, just three issues. Um, it's called The Destroyer. And it was basically probably the first, you know how now in nowadays with comics, when a movie comes out, you see the changes in the comic book. Oh, well, he doesn't look like he does in the movie. We need to make him look more like he does in the movie with the comic book. So when people that aren't familiar with the comics come in, they look like we the really guy in the movie. start to act more like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, <laughs> you know, stuff like X-Men. Grant, yeah, well, that uh, was for the better. Grant though. Morrison, X, X, uh, new X- X-Men with the black leather was very reminiscent of, you know, Supergirl, like, Supergirl, hey, very much like the TV show now in the comics. Yeah, so yeah. this one was basically the, um, it was a an architect who was going through and destroying buildings in Gotham to reveal the original architect that these more modern buildings were hiding to make it look more like the Tim Burton films. Oh, okay. And that's how they got Gotham to look like it did in the movies. And that's because for some reason, Tim Burton's Gotham is like really like Gothic while also being like, it's like weirdly like in the future, but also like a hundred years ago. Like, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, really yeah. weird. It's like steampunk. So yeah, yeah. it is. That's, so that, that was their, their, their way in the, the Batman in the DC universe to, to bring Gotham as it was in the, in the movies okay. it was kind of fun i'll go with my number one first because it's more predictable because i don't know what yours is so okay. we'll, we'll go with the my predictable one and then we'll go with yours so uh, as much as I, I i think i like the long halloween more than i like any batman story 
but the more I tried to put this list together, there was just no way I could I could envision doing a top ten list about putting the Dark Knight Returns as mm-hmm. number one because just to, that it's like it is the Batman story. It's not the Batman story for new readers. It's not the Batman story for you know. It's but it is the ultimate Batman story. It's as epic as it gets. It's as large scale as it gets. It's so quotable. Everybody knows. There's so many scenes and lines that everybody can recite. You know, I'm the surgeon. This is my operating table. You know, uh, I'll kill her. Believe me, I'll do it. I believe you. Like, it's just all these, like, oh, man. And it's so good because it was such a, like, redefining moment for that character. And it it's, I wasn't around, obviously, when the book was coming out. But when you talk to people that read that book when it came out, just the way they light up when like, oh, I mean, when The Dark Knight Returns came out. I mean, that it's like, it's they're so passionate about it because it was such a shift from everything that the, that the comics, I mean, comics as a whole, it was a shift of everything that comics was doing at that time. And yeah, I mean, The, the Dark Knight Returns, and th- I've always said the, the best comics are the ones that have endings. That's why there's not a lot of really good comics as far as like definitive stories, because comics are serialized storytelling. That's why I like stories like all-star Superman or stuff that are kind of set in their own little thing that they have an ending to it. You need to Dark, read more image. You know? well, it, yeah. <laughs> well, well, when we're talking about like superhero yeah, storytelling, yeah, yeah. Though. Then, yeah. you know, that's what makes something like invincible really good because it's 150 issues, but it has an ending. Um, yeah. Comics are a perpetual second act. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But when you do get one that's like set in its own little thing like this is and it has a beginning, middle and end and it has the showdown at the end that everybody always wanted to see with Batman and Superman. And it's a 55 year old Batman pounded on Superman. And um, Frank Miller does some really good like social commentary stuff of what was going on at that time. Basically, his version of Superman basically being a lackey for Reagan and like just there's just some really good stuff. There's a, one of my favorite scenes is a scene between Commissioner Gordon, who is leaving, and this new Commissioner Yindel. And basically, she asks him, like, how can you, like, because she's very anti-vigilante. She's like, one of my first things when I take over is I'm, you know, going all out on Batman, where Batman's going to be taken down. We're not going to do this. Like, how could you kind of, like, turn a blind eye to the law? This guy's breaking the law. And then he talks about, he's like, I remember when, you know, we first got attacked from Pearl Harbor and everything and everybody was going crazy. And, but when you heard FDR on the radio, for some reason you believed in what he was saying. And then there were people that were coming out saying that FDR knew about Pearl Harbor being attacked and he let it happen to get us into the war. He's like, I don't know if that's true or not, but, and he goes, I finally came to a point where like, I don't want to know because there's some things that are just bigger than us. And that's kind of what Batman represents to Gordon. It's like, yeah, he's outside of the law, but it's like it, he it's not his call to make because what he represents is bigger than Gordon. It's bigger than the GCPD. It's bigger than Superman, even at the end of this book. So The Dark Knight Returns, man, it it's again, I beat this quote to death. This podcast, it's as good as everybody says it is. It's one of those things that just you're like, man, yeah, it, and it holds up really, really well. So. Except the art. I no, like I, I like the, the, art, the art for that. I just good. can't. I like it in that story. It's not something yeah. I want to see anymore. But I will. I <laughs> will never again. read that book again because of the art. Plus, you get Carrie Kelly, which she's a fun character. <laughs> in that, I book. will watch the two-part movie, which is also oh, re- the movie which is, is good. Which is also really really, really well done. Job that. Yeah, if you've never read the book and you don't want to take the time to read the book for whatever reason, maybe you're not a comics person. DC animated did do a Dark Knight Returns and they actually took the time and did it right and and did it in two parts. 
because usually these things are about an hour or 15 minutes so there's some stuff they cut out of each and they book change they base things around yeah like this one yeah. they, they they don't really cut out it they basically do it almost yeah, scene for they, scene they, they yeah. did that was that was the first one of dc that i was like holy shit they did this right i'm, I'm so, impressed they took the time to do it yep and they don't really try to make it look too much like the book which is kind of <laughs> so Thank yeah God. the dark knight returns probably at least in my mind it's the best batman story of all time it's the definitive batman story so kylie i'm, I'm really actually curious so see. like i said before my list are the the ones that affected me i, I could it would have been easy to do a top 10 these are the greatest batman stories ever that's the years that's that easy you. yeah that's easy to um to put you know you've got the killing joke you've got the dark knight returns you've you've got those <laughs> you got tyler arkham asylum my number one is one we've already talked about on your list oh, and okay. it was the court of the owls oh because oh, that's right we never got i i had read batman since i was 12 and i read it forever and then grant morrison came along and took it away from me <laughs> and i didn't i mean that whole that how long was grant morrison on uh, 2007 and, or 8-ish to 2011, three, so four years. Yeah, he three was on it for years. a while. So I did not read Batman for a, a nice little while. Let's put it this way. They're putting out the omnibuses for it, and there's going to be three of uh, them. Yeah, that so, collect a, his a, nice, so a nice I mean, long time that, that I just didn't read Batman. I didn't Which have, I will own them all. I didn't have that in, in my life anymore. So Court of the Owls. That's Superman for me. Like right I said, now. that Detective Comics, the, the Black Mirror, kind of oh hey there's there's something else here mm-hmm. and then court of the owls came and just blew me away and yeah. my love for batman came back and that's why that is i accept your number one on my top list. i do too and I that's, my, that's my that's my number one, your number one that's my number one issue number yeah. five i'll just go back issue number five amazing yep i'm gonna ask mccord to quote uh something because i know it's came up in numerous conversation it, it's actually from a Nightwing book, but it's, yes, it's, it's, I was a, hoping we a, were going to get to this. It's a scene you talk about a lot that I do think is really important to Batman <laughs> and why. And it's from Kyle Higgins's run on Nightwing in the New Fifty Two. So McCord, go ahead and just right. So it goes. It's right. Uh, it's right before Dick Grayson becomes Grayson, Agent Thirty Seven of Spiral. Right, right before. Right before the, Right. So. Uh, just a little bit of backstory. Grayson had been captured. He'd been outed. He'd been beaten and presumably killed pu- very publicly. And but he didn't. He didn't die. And he no, was, but he did no because <laughs> it's comics. And uh, he's kind of rehabilitating. And we talked about the moment where uh, Batman knocks out his tooth and wherein he would have been a talent. All that happens in in this moment. And he's like, well, I guess I'm going to go be Nightwing again. And Batman's saying, no, no, there's something really wrong at Spiral. And we can't get you in there unless people think you're dead. Like, so you have to stay dead for this specific reason. And they're sparring. And I think of all of the Robins, I think Dick's the only one who can match Batman physically. And then Tim Drake matches him in in, in like his intelligence, yeah. and, you know, et cetera. So, so you have like little pieces okay. of Bruce in each of the different Robins. Uh, they're sparring and Batman says, tell me, Dick, why do we fall down? And we've all heard, we've all heard this, especially since the movies. And Dick Grayson says, I know this one. So that we learn to pick ourselves back up. And he says, no, Dick, men like us, we don't fall down. We get pushed. And we pick ourselves back up so that we can push back. And I thought that was like the best Batman line ever 
Kyle mean, Higgins is I. Yeah, <laughs> his Winter Soldier run is like awesome right is now it too. Good? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I I feel like that is like the definitive Batman line. Like, no, we don't fall. <laughs> like, it, look at us. We're yeah. like peak physical specimens. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just something that has just resonated in my mind, especially with the and defining moment of Batman. It didn't even happen in a Batman book, but it yeah. was, it was awesome. Do you have like a definitive Batman like moment like for you like like one of your like a moment like that or a quote? Oh my god! One of the other ones I forgot to mention: The Dark Knight Returns is when him and Superman are battling out at the end, whatever. And Superman's basically like, "Bruce, you need to stop. Like, even if you get past me, there's going to be somebody else." And it's like, really? Who do they send after you? I love that where it's like, come on now, Mine. <laughs> fucking Superman. Like, who do they send you after you? <laughs> Mine would be, I think, I think it's the Justice League animated series when he's talking to. Don't Ace. you dare bring up Ace! I was like, don't you dare. Yeah. <laughs> that's mine for me when he's talking to Ace. Yep, that's that's mine. If you don't know it, go watch it. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head, to be honest. Everyone's seen that screenshot of him holding the little girl's hand on the swing say it's, it's, it'll break you in half. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I have a question, actually. So everybody talks about how Hush is like your intro. Anybody can read it. Why, why doesn't anybody say that about Court of Owls? Oh, I, that's that's what I said. C- yeah, when, c- I mean, say c- Court of Owls. I do. Yeah, is, Court, Court of Owls is usually my go-to. Court, yeah, Court of Owls yeah, works because I mostly as well. ever hear people say "hush, hush, hush." Uh, if long you don't Halloween's know about also another one that. I, yeah, I Long Halloween. Okay. The, they're, they're all on that. The, I think the reason people use Batman or or Hush the most one is the Jim Lee art, so it's like the name cachet yeah. on the artist, and like honestly, he's just and it's got just, the everybody and exactly and it's it. got yeah. everybody. And, that, and in again, it. that's why I would go. That's my long Halloween go to. Is like this has got everybody in it. Gotcha. And, but and even it, I think Hush even still beats it though. It probably does. Like, but like, long like, Halloween's the superior Clayface story. shows up, Huntress shows up, like everybody shows up in Hush at one point because again, it was the first thing DC had got Jim Lee to do. So they're like, we want to see Jim Lee's Superman. We want to see his Black Canary. Okay. We so Great then you, you have the... all three. Somebody comes in, knows very little about Batman, but knows you know the basics. What do you tell them to get? You have all. Three. If it's my pick of the three, your pick of the three. Long the Halloween. pick of like, like the three what, that what we've three? talked about. Out of Hush? Those three, which oh, one would yeah. you prefer? Long Halloween, Hush, or Court of Owls? Is someone like I've never somebody, read a Batman mm-hmm. story in my life. Well, not that they've never read it, okay. but they know like the basics. They know, they know like, enough. They know um, enough. Next to no Batman. I'd still probably push Court of Owls. Okay. Yeah. I really like pushing Court of Owls when they're like, I haven't read Batman in a long time. Okay. Like, it's like, oh, you want to get back into Batman? Mm-hmm. Read mm-hmm. Court of Owls. Okay. Because that is, because that is just a, so gripping. It just pulls you and in. You don't, and again, they're, in, they're, they're giving you info that, I, I mean, me as a Batman reader for decades, I didn't know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can jump into that and not uh, Batman, need to know. Batman doesn't even yeah. know this information. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, so if you, you, if you know like... enough about Batman, you're fine jumping into that. Okay. All right. You can't really go wrong with any of them, honestly. Yeah, I think, like I said, I just think I think the hush trade is the easiest one to sell off of the artwork by itself. As far as like, if I worked in a store, that's probably the one I would push because that's the one I feel like I have the highest chance of selling that book. But if we're going just off the three stories alone, I take Long Halloween over any of them. See, and me okay. not being a, a huge fan of Hush, if we have if we have it on the shelf, Hush unwrapped, which is you can pick it up and read the whole story. But it is, they've literally scanned Jim Lee's 
pencils pencils in there so it's black and white it's his artwork there's no color it's just the jim lee artwork but they do have the the word, the word balloons through mm-hmm. it so you can actually read the story but it is like you think the regular version is gorgeous this is amazing oh, it's, right. it's just stunning it's, i mean uh, is it the best thing jim lee's ever done i would go with yes uh, yeah. it, it's got to be it's, in the conversation yeah. i mean it's I mean, I don't know. You're the X Men guy. Right. I, I mean, know. Like, I you're, you're just like. Well, <laughs> I, I immediately go to like Jim Lee Cyclops. Like, no, like, 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 like honestly though, that's what I'm saying. Like, like from the X Men guy, it's. It, I mean, it's got to be in the conversation though. I mean, Hush is like even there's there's times where I'll grab that trade off the shelf and just like flip through it. Like, I don't even have any interest in reading it. Like, let me just look at this. For a while. I don't know if I'd call it his peak, but I mean, it's. It's up there with, you know... Because you could tell he'd always wanted to do Batman. It's like, here's my chance to do Batman. I'm going to do it. Right. I think think maybe his X-Men's more recognizable. Like, I think that... It's probably mostly because of the cartoon show. Because Mm. they based... That is as Jim Lee's... Yeah, Yeah, they they based the the animation on, on Jim Lee's artwork. So I think that that might be more iconic. But, I mean, geez, I don't know. He's like, I, I don't know. About it, a rock it is, it is a tough one because again, I, <laughs> I I'm with McCord. I was Batman and I remember again. when they rebooted X Men. It was oh, Claremont and Jim Lee and, and dude, just... that, like ninety two X Men. Yeah, Jeez, it's good. come on, it's good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that it, giant it's, size issue of X Men number the, one yeah. with the twelve oh, covers. And yeah, <laughs> highest selling comic book of all time still to this day, and it'll never be broken because it sold eight million copies, and you'll never see that again in your life. Yeah, it's also it's <laughs> yeah. also worth nothing because yeah, of because that. There's so many out <laughs> because there. there's eight. Yeah, X Men number one signed. Is that worth anything? I'll give you fifty cents. <laughs> signed? You give him fifty cents? Yeah. Oh, signed. It's you know, so it's marked. Like, uh, so it's Jim, marked up twenty five cents. Like Jim Lee's signature is worth more than no. I, uh, yeah. Well, Come on. I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be CGC. Though. Yeah, exactly. It has to be uh, you know authenticated. Well, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> All right, is there anything else we want to say on Batman and leave you guys with, or is that? I think we, I mean, we pretty much got it out. I think, right? I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Uh, yeah, man, Batman. Let's hope for another eighty years. I don't think the character's going anywhere anytime mm-hmm. soon. So I, um, it's it's cool to see this landmark, especially you know, got Superman hitting eighty last year. Batman hits eighty. You know, the other characters all, you know, they were the first two. So here comes everybody else in the coming years. It's just. There's certain characters that's like just so I- iconic that they never really go away. And there's there's not very many characters you can say that about that have been around that long that have really like stayed consistent. Like you could say like characters like Betty Boop and Popeye are that old, but like there's no Popeye cartoon out right now. There's no you know what I mean? Like right, like yeah. Batman and Superman have never have continually been published from 1938 to now. Yeah, they've never yeah. left the public eye. Like there, there, there has always either been a comic, a TV show, a movie either coming out or out. Like they have never even, even like as as popular a character as Mickey Mouse is. Like Mickey Mouse even kind of falls in and out of like what Disney. Sometimes they're like, oh yeah, he's the face of our company, and other times like, yeah, he's kind of more just the mascot, but we don't really do anything with him anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or a character like Bugs Bunny, like people know who he is but there's not they're not doing something with bugs bunny all the time yeah. they're always doing something with batman yeah so and once we get into you know the marvel a lot of the marvel characters came around a couple of decades later in the 60s but once we get to those characters it'll be the same thing when they start hitting those massive birthdays 
like Spider-Man and stuff. It's like it, those characters will just never go away and they never have gone away. So, Yep. All right, well, that pretty much does it for us here. But before we let you go, we want to make sure you check out the Nerd Dome podcast, which is a podcast Kylie is normally on and McCord, I guess, has also been on a couple uh, times. I've so. been normally when they need an, an X-Men expert. Yeah, or Daredevil mm. expert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when, I, I, I like how you emphasize the X on expert. Like, I'm an <laughs> expert. expert. I'm the capital <laughs> X. Like, X hyphen P-E-R-T. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. You should get a shirt that says that. <laughs> this uh, week, we it was a nice, fun uh, episode with just Luke Ryan and I, and we're the resident. Resident Star Trek nerd. Oh, so don't tell me Star Trek. It was a Star Trek one again. So skip that one, but make sure you normally check out. I mean, we do talk about other things, but when we talk about Star Trek, it can go on for a bit. Also, McCord is still in the process of writing a movie and getting a movie made. So if you want to quickly plug that, where people can at least yeah uh, follow you guys yeah, on social media, get on a uh, Facebook. Uh, it's called Rockwell God and Guns. So go like that. Um, announcements have been few and far in between but that should be picking up here pretty soon cool also make sure you're following us on social media everywhere we're fortress of comic Dude podcast foc underscore podcast on twitter and instagram next week we're going to be back here with our next comic book club which is where we take a trade paperback and talk about it for an hour or so and we are doing shazam by jeff johns and gary frank i'm actually excited to um that. and then uh have you not read it no, Wait, I know you, nothing about. You're Shazam going. You're going to like it after, after yeah, seeing that movie. Kylie you're going and, to like and I love the and movie. Now I want to go watch. <laughs> now Kylie and McCord have books. seen the movie already, which is kind of Appreciate messed up. I want to go. Uh, I want to so go good. read the books and now that I've seen the movie because that movie was. Now, awesome. are you guys going to remember the movie? Oh, I'm oh. gonna. I remember everything. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I remember every second. Oh, McCord. He's like, every second I spend not talking about that movie, I'm thinking about that movie. Well, I just re- I just remember things in general. I mean, I can quote straight lines from the movie. Yeah, right there, now, there was but. there was a. I mean, like I said, the reason I saw it um, because we had the opportunity to see it early was a. Uh, my wife really wanted to see it, so I'm like, okay, well, you know, if we want to see it, and B, I knew we'd need to do a review for mm-hmm. the podcast, so I'm like, let's just get it out of the way and go see it. I kind of want to see it again before we do the podcast because I'm like, so that's oh, not fair because then you're going to be able to like, oh, but seeing this scene, like you're going to have a better scene it the second time. So well, for for everyone else that hasn't seen the movie, what would you want to leave them with that they should go see it? Don't take young children. Yes. Okay. Um, like it, that, it, that was surprising coming from is, like the trailer. It is okay. a fun movie and it is about family and everything, but <laughs> the dark and violent scenes are dark and violent. All right. Um, so yeah, little little kids probably a bit too much for okay. the the other thing is is you don't have to know anything about shazam to enjoy this movie because oh, yeah. you knew nothing i i i knew so here's truly truly the extent of my knowledge was that a, a boy turns into a grown man superhero and sometimes he fights black adam that is truly all i knew at, at all my wife knew less than that and i hadn't even seen a trailer before the movie because i don't watch trailers but I knew Zachary Levi was going to be in it, so I was going to go watch it anyway. And so when we had the opportunity to do so, we we did. And man, now I just want to like I've never wanted to read a DC comic so bad in my entire life <laughs> well, after McCord, walking out of that. McCord movie. brought up a good thing afterwards was um, 
He said, I finally know how the other people that I take to the Marvel movies feel at the end credits because he and I were both the same way because people were like cheering and clapping when they introduced this character, the end credits. And we were like, who is this guy? I have no idea who that is. What is is this? We had to ask Alex the next day. Um, So this thing showed up and what? Why do I feel like I'm going to immediately know who it is? I mean, you might. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I won't. I'm just full. I've never even heard. Like, even after it was explained to me, I'm like, well, I've never heard of this Yeah, I mean, he pulled it up on his phone and he's like is that it i'm like that is and then he said the name i'm like it doesn't mean anything yeah. to me so next know, week so. we'll be back here talking about shazam from jeff johns and gary frank and then two weeks from now we will have our review of the movie shazam when it comes out on april 5th so make sure you guys are all down for that um i think the perfect way to close out this podcast is everybody gives their best uh i'm batman so oh, i'm sick <laughs> So until next time, guys, thanks for joining us. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. <laughs>